damn it feels good to be a ghoulie this is killstreak episode 52 i am dick ghoulie part of the ghoulie brothers the click and clack of slash and hack <laughs> oh joined here by my brother my invalid brother <laughs> mick ghoulie how are you sir Oh, you guys! Come on, you guys! Oh, you're just gonna leave me here? Oh, I want to be Solid. part of the podcast. Eric, Eric, just what oh. if I just did that for 45 minutes? Jesus, doing a podcast with Franklin? <laughs> you, you'd applaud when I was murdered too. Uh. I still might. Oh, oh! Hi there. How's Dick. the uh, the Arctic tundra of Texas doing right now? It's 68 degrees outside and sunny. (laughs) That is fucking wild. That is crazy. Yeah. The world is truly uh, fucked. Uh, You know, it's uh, there's a lot of joking about uh, things like, I don't know, the day after tomorrow and stuff. But that's kind of what it felt like here. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I know the the production that I'm I'm supposed to be starting uh, back up on. Got pushed mm-hmm. by a week because I got fucked with Texas weather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we had um, we were lucky. We had we had water most of the time. Our pipes froze once, but there was no permanent damage. We've been under a boil water notice for four days, so we oh really uh, have been doing a lot of that. We have a big like a Tupperware like uh, like twenty gallon container on our. Uh, counter in the kitchen that we just periodically boil pots of water and dump it in there. <laughs> That's what wow. we've been using to is that, drink and cook and clean with. Is that because at some point the like sewage line got mixed with the uh, water? There's some sort of contamination. I believe there are, uh, the causes are uh, there are two two causes. One is because the uh, levels got l- too low, and uh, that mm. somehow affects things at the water treatment plant. Okay. Um, and then secondly is that they did have a power failure there for like a like a like maybe four or six hours at one point. So wow. It also means that like What a fucking mess. <laughs> yeah. Oh but yeah. But you did get to take that trip to Cancun, which was nice. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, my dogs really needed to go to Mexico. I was just <laughs> dropping them off. Uh, there is a really nice uh, canine motel that they go to. Um, yeah, yeah. That caters um, to dogs with high anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just realized too. I had another potential catchphrase, which is "the ghouls with the tools." <laughs> well, I don't know why that wouldn't have worked for next week. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> just blowing all our good stuff here. I know. Yeah. Wait, um, next week? No, we're not. We're we're doing a new series next week. We're still. Dick and Mick Gooley. Oh, yes, you're right. You're right. Sorry. Yeah, I thought you meant because of the chainsaw stuff. I've already I already filled out the forms to legally change my name to Mick Gooley. <laughs> Let's do it, man. You can't pull I the rug new, out on me I now. need a new identity. <laughs> Let's, go to Can- Let's go to Cancun. We'll leave our significant others, children, dogs, pets behind. <laughs> <laughs> As the world crumbles around us. Honestly. We embrace and then walk into the ocean. <laughs> I thought... I don't know. I just thought we'd get drunk and waste the last uh, 10 years of our lives. <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> that sounds pretty good, actually. Let's yeah. do it. Um, well, uh, speaking of Texas disasters. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we're, we're here to talk about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation. Mm-hmm. Um, 
This was probably my second time watching this. This was definitely my second time. I don't know why I qualified that at all. Yeah. Uh, and it, I didn't remember much about it at all. Did um, you? Uh, I know we have a voicemail this week. Do we need to get to that before this? Oh yeah, good call. Is it better um, later? You it doesn't. It, it's actually not a not a not not appropriate. It's an inappropriate it's, uh, voicemail. It doesn't apply. But you're right. Uh, I'm sorry. I forgot about our voicemail. It's okay. We, do, we have a voicemail here uh, from super listener Josh Stewart. <laughs> love it, Josh. I, I hope you. I hope you like that uh, super listener. I hope that <laughs> that's the, yeah. that's what we use behind the scenes now. Uh, so yeah, here we go. What's up, Dick and Mick? We got Josh Stewart down here in chilly Corpus Christi, Texas, uh, where I believe Kim Henkel actually used to be a professor at the local Del Mar College. And I was just calling with some facts about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series that you probably won't like. But don't take this as me trying to force you one way or another, just dropping some knowledge. Uh, you said you were only covering the original series, not the remakes. And as it happens, Texas Chainsaw 3D fancies itself a sequel to the original movies. And... Leatherface, I believe, fancies itself a prequel to the original films. Now, I wouldn't worry about counting those as canon. I don't really think anything after part two considers itself canon anyway. And honestly, I think the pair of remake movies are better than anything that comes after uh, Chainsaw 2. But I just think it's kind of wild that we got, you know, 40-something years out here, uh, kids getting the rights to the original movie and still making sequels and shit to it. That's bizarre. Anyway, love you guys. Keep the great work up. Uh, Mike, stay warm up there in chilly-ass Austin. <laughs> oh thank you josh yeah uh uh i hope corpus christi was a better situation than it was uh up here but i don't know yeah um so yeah uh i i guess i was aware that the uh the new movies do um it one is a prequel one's a sequel or two are sequels i'm not sure mm-hmm. um we're still not going to do. <laughs> I mean, we will eventually, I'm sure, but <laughs> we've already stay tuned for the end of the episode. We're going to talk about our next series. Yeah, and, uh, it's be, a real good one. And it'll be another conversation about what should and should not be covered. I mean, I feel like this will always be a recurring topic of conversation with us. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, for, I feel like my for my money, I think any prequel that's made more than 15 years after the original film is out for me. Just always. Sure. Sure. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I mean, it's interesting. Uh, they bring up a good point that, um, like these, these last two movies are just like heavily retconned. Yeah. Like they're, they're barely sequels. They're just kind of, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, I mean, we'll get to it, but I, I want to say that this one next generation essentially wants to eliminate the second and third sequels. It seems that way, yeah. But it also, in some ways, again, Josh mentioned canon. It's like, it does basically conflict with the canon of the first one. I mean, not not in any really specific way you can pin down, but it's like hard to connect them. <laughs> and it uh, also ignores the last one, too, Leatherface. Yes, uh, I noticed, especially well, in, in in the opening title, oh, the right. opening crawl. Right, that's what I was gonna say. The opening crawl te- sort of attempts to uh, cheekily dismiss both part two and part three. <laughs> yeah, um, which you know, <laughs> we'll we'll get there in a sec. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh man, yeah. So I also saw this once. I think because this movie really got its major release on video. 
um, I don't know, when we were like renting a lot of horror movies, I think. Yeah. Like 97, yeah, 98. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I just got this from Blockbuster. Um, yeah, yeah. De- I definitely just got it from the local video store. Um, and I think I was probably on the same kick of like watching the sequels, not maybe not back to back, but like mm-hmm. close to one another. Yeah. Um, and I remember this one getting like demolished by critics. Yeah. Well, and I think if you just uh, do a quick Google or like, or really anywhere you read about this movie, it is, it seems to be the most maligned of the yes. three seek of the three initial seek of the four movies we are covering. It is the one with the worst reputation. Mm-hmm. And I'm confused. I'll say, I'm just going to come out and say it. Blood and guts check. Yeah. I did not like this movie the first time I saw it at mm-hmm. all. I was kind of buying into the hype of all yeah. the reviews. This time around, it started out rough, but then kind of by the end of it, I was almost into it. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, but I'm still, I don't know what I think about this movie. And I know that's a really like yeah. not a great position to have on a mm-hmm. podcast where the whole point <laughs> is to rate and review movies. And have a position. <laughs> <laughs> is to have a position. Yeah. Um, there are certainly things I don't like about it, mm-hmm. but there's some stuff that I kind of do like. It, yeah. It's a wild swing. Mm-hmm. In, in a series that takes a lot of wild swings. Yes. Um, yeah. I think that this is, a, this is, this is a wild fucking movie. Yeah. And, um, and I think that, and it's funny that you mentioned the beginning, because I, I'll just be honest with you, I loved the first 20 minutes of this movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and I could see that, too. I could, I could understand why. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I think I had a bad attitude when I started watching this yeah. movie. It was okay. after I'd watched another movie. You were, um, you were a real B.A. Baracus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I had to be drugged to put a, get, get onto a plane. Is that Han- <laughs> No, maybe that's Hannibal. Oh, uh, yeah. It's yeah. one of them. Also, we're just thinking about the new movie, like as opposed to the. <laughs> I I was referencing the TV series, Eric. Oh, I know. I okay. I, I got you. I've, okay. Can I can I admit something? Yeah, I've never seen a team. I got the Holy reference, shit. but I've never watched it. Wow, it's entertaining. Mr. T's Mr. T, man. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And uh, what's the fucking the guy who plays Hannibal? Is the same is is the same dude from Breakfast at Tiffany's? Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. The like main character? Yeah, the main the main dude, the the man, the mimbo, uh, George yeah, yeah, Picard. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, this is a bit <laughs> of a diversion. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to be talking about all of Truman Capote's film adaptations. <laughs> uh, I'm happy to spend 45 minutes just shitting on Mickey Rooney. Yeah. Um, oh, that's a tough. That is. Yeah. Moments that don't age well. That is one of them. <laughs> yeah, I my letterboxed review of that movie is just is literally like I have deducted one full star from the movie for, <laughs> for Mickey Rooney's performance um, out of five, which I you know so it's a twenty percent drop, which may not even be sufficient. Uh, but anyways, mm. uh, yes, you had a bad attitude coming into watching this. Yeah, so I was kind of just like poo pooing everything as I was watching mm-hmm. it. Uh, and I think that may have been uh, that that's not the right way to watch this movie because it's a movie no. that's not really taking itself very seriously. No, not at all. I think I mean, and I'm I'm actually very interested to get into this um, 
Well, first, I guess I should finish my blood and guts check, which oh, is yeah, sure. which is essentially that I don't think that this really works, but I think that it is certainly trying to do something more interesting. Yeah. Than I mean, I would I would say that um, it the the complete and total lack of gore sucks. It does. Um, and if that was not the case, I think this one would like maybe be a legit winner for me. Yeah. Like, like it, I, you, I really felt that. And I kept waiting. I was like, maybe there's going to be some kills in this movie or something that's just going to make it feel more like a, like an actual horror movie. Yeah. And they never came. And that was unfortunate. But here's the thing. The more I've thought about it, and also the more that I researched and failed to find any really anecdotal evidence that this went through a similar fate of Leatherface, of having a bunch of stuff cut out. Like, there are two that. cuts of this. There is a director's cut, which isn't really even a director's cut. It's like the original cut when this movie was called The Return of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay. Right? We can get into all that stuff, but essentially this movie like barely got released and then got re-released, but got and, and it was recut and retitled, and they were going to try to sell it as a, hey, look, it's Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey movie. Mm-hmm. And then CAA, which represented both of them, was like, we will bury you wow. <laughs> if you try to do that. Like, you're not going to release this piece of shit horror movie and sandbag like two of our biggest up and coming star clients. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I think that in its initial cut which i haven't seen but i had, i read about enough to kind of get the gist of what was going on i think that it might be a deliberate choice that this movie has almost no good violence in it uh really? and we can we can talk about that a little bit more but i want to hear more about what you what your feelings were first because i have i have like this sort of larger and it's not my theory it's just a theory that's out there that i sort of subscribe to about what exactly is going on in this movie Okay. Um, but I want to know what you think. Uh, about what's going on or just some more more of my general feelings? More general thoughts, but also, okay. like, did, did you feel like, yeah, and I mean, and then maybe you can wrap around to what did you, what did you gather was, like, the intention of, uh, like, the directorial intention, if you will, mm-hmm. of, of kind of how, how this movie ended up feeling. So I'll say, uh, first off, some positives. I thought Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey were mm-hmm. really great. Like, yeah, they're movie stars. <laughs> they're movie stars. And they're yeah. so clearly movie stars. Like yes. they they blow everybody off the screen. Yeah. Uh in, in a really impressive way. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> that's like I understand why they don't want they don't like this movie, but they're also pretty good in this right. not great movie. But to uh, be clear, I don't even think it's really them. I think that this was largely Oh, they're them they're uh, the of the product of CAA's interference. Sure. Because the only interview, like, so I actually have on my bed a copy of Matthew McConaughey's memoir, Green Lights, really? uh, <laughs> which was gifted to me by my future father-in-law, uh, and I'm slowly making my way through, but it's very entertaining. He talks about this movie for, like, one page, and he says nothing bad about it. He literally just talks about auditioning, shooting it for, he's like, yeah, we shot it in four weeks, and then I left for Hollywood. Um uh. When um where does this fall in with uh Dazed and Confused? Like when, this is, when did that this, movie come out? So this is a year after Dazed and Confused was released. Um 
So he had an agent at this point now and was basically like the, the, the long story short of it was he made a splash in Dazed and Confused in 1993. Mm-hmm. Three uh, got representation. Basically was like, OK, I'm going to move to Hollywood and try to be an actor. Uh, and he was like, not literally, but almost literally on his way out of town. He describes it as like his stuff was packed. And he had booked a role uh, as like a like a no lines role in this movie Mm. uh, for a character that was later cut, but was basically just going to be like a cool guy on a motorcycle. Um, And as he was, he went by the production office a couple days before they started shooting to pick up his his sides. And apparently Kim Henkel, the director, who was also the writer of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, said to him, like, hey, do you know anybody who would be good to audition for this lead, basically? And he, like, recommended two people from his acting class, and then he went to go get in his car, and then was like, wait, shit. <laughs> and, like, went back inside. He's like, I want to audition for it, and mm. got got the role. And so stayed in Austin four more weeks than he was planning to, shot this movie, and then left for Hollywood. Um, wow. But he speaks of it, you know, casually, fondly. Renee, Renee Zellweger, when she's been interviewed about it, Similarly, it was just like, yeah, it was fun. Like it was a fucked. I mean, it was like a. It was like a the first movie. Like it sucked. It was like mm-hmm. cheap and miserable. But also, she was like, yeah, I don't know. It was like, uh, I'm glad I got the chance to do it. And that's it. You know, that's cool. I like. I I like that that they both had that attitude about it. Yeah. Um. Okay. So that that that's my positive. Um. And I'll circle around to what I think now the intent was for the movie. Um, which is something I didn't really pick up on. I think the satirical elements of this movie mm-hmm. completely went over my head the first time I saw it. And I was Same just here. kind of yeah. focused on the critical reviews of the movie, of it being just a disaster. Mm-hmm. And just me like comparing it to the original. Right. Uh, which now after watching all four of these movies back to back, like only the original is the one that takes itself very seriously. And maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe part three. But uh, so I think, to me, it just comes off as like sort of a fuck you to fans, like to, to fandom. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like, yeah. hey, I'm gonna make fun of the form of slasher movies, mm-hmm. um, and kind of just take this thing into wild directions. Yeah. Um, and I, I it, it, sort of like how part two, I, I feel like this one shares a lot of uh, attitude, attitudinal DNA mm-hmm. with part two and they're both I kind agree. of like rock and roll movies too in a way like yeah like yeah wall I think to they, wall soundtrack yeah they kind of have like they two similar approaches with two slightly different goals in mind yeah but i mean i not even that i think their goals are kind of the same which is a little bit of like a like you said like a fuck you um mm-hmm. and it's a little bit of like they also both feel a little bit like maybe this admission that like there isn't really a good way to make a sequel to this movie. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that is a really, uh, not a great take when you're making a movie, <laughs> but like, yeah. it's like, yeah, it, it's true though. It's ultimately right. true. Yes. Like it, you're, you're, there should never have been a sequel to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm-hmm. but you're asking for it. So yeah, we're going to do our thing and mm-hmm. you know, you you're, you're welcome to enjoy it or not. 
Yeah, and I think you you really hit on something there, which is like the truly responsible decision is to acknowledge that and then say, "So I will not make a movie." Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but both to- both Toby Hooper and now Kim Hankel have both said, "Okay, well, if you want me to make a movie." I'll make a movie. Yeah. Although it does seem also like this was something that maybe Kim Henkel, I don't want to say necessarily pursued more than Toby Hooper, but I think Toby Hooper was, you know, part of that. A lot of it was contractual stuff. Uh, you know, that's how he got the ability to make his other movies with Canon was to agree to make Texas Chainsaw two. Right. Um, this one does feel like Kim Henkel decided he wanted to make this movie. Um, but, you know, also, like, it was developed by a, a separate producer and, like, brought to him and, and you know, he agreed to do it. But, yeah, I'm with you that the, I think both of these movies, two and four, are trying to do the same thing, which is basically say, this is a bad idea. Um, so I'm going to kind of blow the whole thing up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this almost anarchist approach mm-hmm. to making a sequel to this movie. And I will say this, um, I think that execution notwithstanding, Mm -hmm. just in terms of intention, I think that the approach that Kim Henkel takes, I actually like more than the one that Toby Hooper tries to take in part two. I think I agree with you because I think the intention is more clear in this one than, than it is in part two. Yeah. Which is sort of like, it is a mess of a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and I think like we were saying when we were covering part two, you should go back and listen to it if you haven't. That like it is viewed as a black comedy. I think it is. And but some of its satirical elements, I think, are kind of if they are intentional, they're pretty subtle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of meaning has been hoisted upon them by other people. Right. Whereas in this one, I think like the the point is pretty clear. But then you brought up a great point: the execution. Mm-hmm. that's a whole other thing yeah yeah and i think that this movie suffers in some ways and i think that as i was like rounding towards the end of this movie but i will say before it truly got really crazy and kind of pulled me back in again yes um, yeah. i will say that around the three quarters mark i was like you know what i think that like looking at at how these two movies came out and these two guys who, who co-wrote the original like you can sort of see that it's like, okay, Toby Hooper is a director in the sense that like he brought, I think a lot of visual flair mm-hmm. and like a lot of the, the real filmmaking technical ability, but also like creativity and inspiration to the first one. And a lot of that carried over in some ways to the second one. And there are also some decisions that I, you know, made clear. I did not like that were yeah. sort of aesthetic choices. But I think the ideas in part two are a little clunky. And I think that you can sort of see that like some of those ideas, I think, siphoned off to this movie, Mm -hmm. which makes sense because Kim Hankel, first and foremost, is the writer. Uh, This is the only movie he ever directed. And as Josh pointed out in that voicemail, he spent most of his professional career as a film teacher. Mm hmm. And I do think that this movie has a more, a slightly more, a certainly clearer and slightly more sophisticated approach to this idea of skewering the sheer existence of itself. Um, yeah. 
And I think a lot of it comes down to, for me, so to go back to that original idea of like, what is he trying to do? It's like, this is a movie that is almost, it, 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 I think it's impressive because it predates Scream by a couple years. Yeah. But it is playing in the same pool of like, the state of things in horror movies has gotten to a pretty low place at this point in time, right? This is yeah. like 1994. And this is a movie that like, I think that he is deliberately trying to portray this idea of failure. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> and that like this movie is a failure to be what it wants to be, but also that the individual characters are failures at what, at what their archetypes are supposed to be. Mm. Um, and the thing is, is it's like for a while I was like, is that what's going on? Maybe. And then <laughs> in a truly insane swing, a character literally appears and says explicitly that that is what is happening <laughs> in <Yeah>. his dialogue. <laughs> Uh, you're talking about the Rothman character? Is that yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is wild. Is absolutely wild. And I don't know if it's a good choice or a bad choice, but it is a memorable choice. Um, you had brought up um, that like around the three quarters mark, that's when you mm-hmm. got pulled back in. And that's when... So I watched I watched about an hour of this movie. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, whatever. Um, and it was getting late and I was like, I don't feel like taking notes right now. I'm going to shut it off and I'll okay. finish it tomorrow. And I, during that time, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to adjust my attitude here. I'm, I'm going to come back into this with like a better, a better attitude. Okay. I've read that Joe Bob Briggs is a big yeah. proponent of this movie. I'm like, okay, there's gotta be something here mm-hmm. that I'm just like not seeing because I'm just not in the, in the right headspace. Right. And then. I came back and it also happened to be that moment. Sure. You know, that turning when point Rothman where it kind of shows up, becomes yeah. something else. And I was like, okay, no, I think I am in, I am in to this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, but it, uh, through and through, it's not the most fun movie to watch. No, no, it's actually really unpleasant. Um, it, which is funny because all of this stuff going on with McConaughey being there. Uh, it actually kept reminding me of this of the viewing experience of Killer Joe. Have you seen that movie? Yes, yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean is another movie where he plays essentially a psychopath. Um, and but also like, and I I would say Killer Joe is a better movie than this is. Yeah. Um, but it's a lot of the same. Where it's like this one more so than than any of the other sequels has consistent moments of like, this is uncomfortable. Yeah. There's like a lot of dread. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really largely thanks to him because Leatherface, this, this Leatherface fucking sucks. This total non-factor. But then, so again, it's like, how did they make such a shitty Leatherface? And then I was like, I think that he's supposed to suck. Yeah. I think, you know, I mean, I think, but the, the prosthetics that they put, Onto Leatherface, also bad. Yeah. Look awful. They look like a Halloween mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you think? Um, so since we're t- saying like maybe the intention was to literally emasculate Leatherface, mm. do you think there is some sort of like subtle transphobia there? I was wondering Not about so that. Even. Yeah, I was wondering about that. So I actually I tried to do a little digging for this too. 
to just see. So basically, I just looked to see what, if anything, Kim Henkel had said on the record about mm-hmm. like essentially the the cross dressing and the sort of trans portrayal of uh of Leatherface and. The only thing he's on record as saying is basically just that. Uh, I think I have it here in my notes. Let's say, see. I mean, he basically he acknowledges that he wanted to make Leatherface like a drag queen, mm-hmm. um, but he doesn't really seem to apply any qualitative value to that. Sure. So he here's what he says. He says. Um, according to Henkel, he wrote the character as one who assumes the persona of the person whose face he wears. So the confused sexuality of the Leatherface character is complex and horrifying at the same time. So I think he saw it as like he's wearing a woman's face, so he's becoming a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he basically it was like, yeah, he is supposed to be like a like some sort of tortured drag queen. So I think that. I think if if nothing else, it is guilty of being clumsy enough to be offensive. I don't know if the yeah. intention is to be literally transphobic. I don't think the idea. No, is that, I, I don't think yeah. that is the intention. I just it, it sort of reminds me. This is um uh, well, two things uh, mm-hmm. that I want to react to 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 that. One is that um. Leatherface does also do that in part one when he dresses yeah. up as like mother or whatever. Right. So that is something that like, you know, Kim Hankel's already established in the canon of Leatherface. Um, to, yeah, I thinking now, I, I don't think that like Leatherface's drag queen-ness is mm-hmm. used to like be annoying or to be, uh, you know, he's, he's Leatherface. He's, he's a guy who's, a person who saws people's faces off and kills people. <laughs> right. So, and I don't think that him, them being a drag queen has anything to, to like, it doesn't move the needle in either direction, I guess. Right. And I, I just wanted to like, you know, see if you'd heard anything like that. It was like, you, you know, whatever we could. No, we can cause he, he talks separately about Leatherface being deliberately ineffective. So this, I think it's two different ideas. Yes, I think that are so. Populating the same character. Yeah, and maybe I'm giving him too much credit. Um, I, I mean, I think that's fair. But that's um, that. That was how it came off, and in, in how he was talking about it. Um, so he literally, I think this is another quote from King Kim Henkel. He says, "Leatherface, once efficient, methodical, and near silent, now struggles to competently capture or kill his victims, all the while screaming like a petulant child." Mm-hmm. So yes, they certainly do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that that and, and he talks about this as it's I think in his mind, this is this is about commenting on the state of horror films. OK. Um. So I do think those are two separate things. But I also like, again, I think that he is he's he's waiting in waters here that he he's, he's in over his head, I, I think. I was going to say in a really self-important way that um, <laughs> it, re- it sort of reminds me of the direction we took my character in Yeti 2. Uh, uh-huh. I, I, for those of you, who I'm sure most of you don't know, uh, I play a character named Sex Piss <laughs> in both <laughs> of the Yeti movies. I think plenty of our audience I think plenty of our audience that. <laughs> knows that. Uh, but in the first one, he's just like a super aggressive, kind of hyper-masculine, violent... Mm-hmm. Very like 
you know, he always threatens to finger bang people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Women mostly. And then that the reaction that the audience had to that in the messages I've gotten over the years <laughs> was a little disturbing to me. They were it was a little pro like sex piss. Yeah, they're like, ah, oh, sex piss, daddy. Yeah, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> like a lot of women have written to me. Okay. Um, and I was like, no, that wasn't really. You know, we're making fun of that. Right. So in part two, really, like, let's put more sex piss in, but let's make them just like very happy to be where he is in this one and like pansexual and yeah. and like just down for anything and there are some people i just you know because sometimes i'll have a few pops and then i'll uh go on to letterbox and read some of the reviews people read, mm-hmm. wrote of like and some people are like they totally ruined the sexpist character like you know <laughs> like they like took the teeth out of him or something yeah. along those lines it's like all right mission accomplished they did yeah he we used wanted. to be a hero to creeps everywhere <laughs> and to ladies who love creeps that's true uh Meanwhile, I'm like the opposite of that character. Uh, I'm a very <laughs> wholesome man. I don't know about that, but you're definitely not aggressive. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm limply creepy. I'm a, I'm a limp creep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a new new archetype. Yeah. Right? <laughs> anyway, all moving on. Place. Yeah. Um, where did we get where did we get sidetracked? Uh we got sidetracked with Leatherface. Um yeah, this being this being the worst a bad Leatherface. <laughs> no spoilers. He's a no bad spoilers. Leatherface. Sorry. Um yeah, and I think that yeah, so right, to give the filmmakers the benefit of the doubt, the idea is that that's on purpose, right? right. Um and it does go to explain some other stuff in the movie, too, uh, you know, in terms of just like it is a weird movie because a lot of the things a lot of things that happen feel very generic or very expected, very kind of cliche. But then they all kind of fail to resolve in the way that you would expect them to. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, that that is a deliberate choice, which is an interesting choice. And I don't know that it always works, but I like, again, like a lot of credit for taking a swing here. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think. But yeah, I mean, in terms of getting this movie made super cheap, uh, I think this is back to maybe with inflation, possibly the lowest budget of the four, certainly the second lowest after the first one. Really? Uh, they they only spent about $600,000 on this. Holy shit. Yeah. You can um, tell. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, there's not a whole lot going, like, there's not a whole lot going on the screen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, it misses the touch of Toby Hooper. I, it, I'll say this. I would have loved to see this movie directed by Toby Hooper. Like, yeah, me too. Written by Kim Hankel and but Toby Hooper back in the director's chair. Uh, who knows? Um, but yeah, I, I think the only other stuff I wanted to cover is yeah. So all of that stuff in terms of the release was this was like always a doomed movie. It got this tiny theatrical release initially. They were always fighting to get it out. Uh, had to go through different cuts. Uh, it got really good reviews when it first came out in 94, 94, 95, I think like the original cut, uh, like the festival reviews were, were good. Really? Um, yeah, but, uh, the, the release was tiny and then nothing happened. I think it went out to 27 theaters 
in 95. Oh, shit. Which I'm still I'm still not entirely clear on why they just completely buried it like that. Um, but I guess I guess at that point they were already looking forward to I think Jerry Maguire had been shot. Mm. Um, and they were like, oh, Renee's gonna be like maybe a big star. So we're gonna kind of pull this back and wait to release it when mm-hmm. she becomes like a big name. And then the same thing was happening with McConaughey, but then they waited long enough that their agency was like, no, you can't. <laughs> and so again, their second theatrical release was it went out to less than 30 screens nationally. Wow. Yeah. So it is a movie that made less than $200,000 total at the box office Oof. in two releases. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. So it is truly a profound failure in that respect. But I wonder how it performed on VHS. Um, I don't know. Cause you, you don't really it... hear anybody talking about this movie. No, you really don't. And yeah, I mean, we'll talk we'll, as we get through the movie, like there are a lot of things that don't work. However, from, from my personal from my personal perspective, this is the movie that had the most dissonance between how it's been perceived and maybe what it, value it actually has. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think, you know, I think and that then that idea of revision is the, like revising the history of, of part two. I talked about this then. It's like I get it, but I also think that feels a little overblown. I don't think part two is that great. Um, and I don't I think this movie is great there. I, I, mm-hmm. I, 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 you know. I am. I think. I think I'm a proponent of part two, but yeah, not. A, I know not I'm in the minority. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, the other thing too is like you mentioned this as a rock and roll thing. This one has a, a actually an honestly pretty cool soundtrack. It's almost all Austin bands. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, Daniel Johnston's on the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rocky Erickson, um, like a couple other really interesting small groups. Not a lot of big names, but it's like a lot of a lot of local music, some of which feels very 1994. Um, yes, but <laughs> but it's it's better than than most stuff. Um, and I mean, I think we're, we're we'll get into talking about the movie sh- soon. Um, but yeah, they're like again, a lot of things that worked for me in a weird way, and then a lot of things that didn't work for me. But I that's what I'd prefer over just like oh yeah, this movie sucks. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Uh, okay, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and we'll recap this movie. We can talk about the things that worked and didn't work. We get another opening crawl. Smooth. These uh, the series just lousy with them. Well, August does it 18th. qualify as a crawl if it's stationary? Was, you're right. I, I, that is the wrong word, and I was trying to think of the correct. Some of them word, have crawls. Some of them did. This one's short enough that it sits in one place. A title. It's not a title card. What is it? No, it's just like a text card i don't know yeah uh this one is not even trying to sound like john larroquette no so august 18th 1973 news of a bizarre chain wielding family chainsaw wielding family reports which were to ignite the world's imagination began to filter out of central texas regrettably not one of the family members was ever apprehended and for more than 10 years nothing further was heard then, over the next several years, at least two minor, yet apparently related incidences were reported. <laughs> then nothing again. For five long years, silence. So, there you go, right there. Too Disregarding yes. two minor. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it even, like, you know, the opening of part 
three said like one W E was was arrested. Right. Uh and W E is a character in this one, so but their last name a... changes. <laughs> what is the last name in this one? Do you know? Slaughter. Slaughter? Yeah. Oh, I didn't I didn't catch that. Which I think is That's again an on dumb. a deliberate on the nose like dumb thing. Oh yeah, Leatherface Slaughter. W E Slaughter. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh man. Oh yeah, I like that <laughs> this is distributed by Ultra Mucho Inc. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the opening title card looks like a fucking PS1 game. Real <laughs> shitty looking. I thought that the the font was very reminiscent. And and again, a thing that I guess predates it, but it reminded me of the Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the show. Yeah. Which I think came out at least two years after this. Well, so. the first 30 minutes of this movie look like an episode of Buffy. Yeah. Like, the Heather looks like Cordelia. You're right, she does. Also, yeah. we'll get, no, we'll get it, we'll get to it, we'll get to it. Okay. Close-up okay. of lipstick uh, being applied to a real nice set of lips. It's Renee Zellweger. She's getting ready for the prom. Her name's Jenny, by the way, not Renee Zellweger in the movie. That'd be silly. <laughs> it would. I like that they use the uh, flashbulb sound. Yeah, iconic. Like, yes. Yeah, a little Easter egg here. Nod to yeah. the original. And and this was the very first thing that kind of clued me into like, okay, well, this movie has some kind of sense of humor about how it's parodying itself or the original. Because yeah. it's the same sound and the flashbulb thing, but instead of horrific photographs of violence it's prom photos prom photos yeah she's at prom everybody's acting weird um her boyfriend sean right yeah sean her her friend heather is walking mm. around trying to find her her boyfriend barry has anybody seen barry where's barry well unfortunately barry's making out with some other girl outside she busts him uh she gets pissed off runs to the car everybody follows her very, very 90s song playing. Yeah. Like, would have been playing at the... Um, shit, what's the bar in Buffy that they go to? Oh, the... Uh, it's the blank. It's one... Yeah, it's like the... It's, it's not like one the max, syllable. but something like that. Yeah. Fuck. Something that reminds me of metals or ores for some reason. The bronze. The bronze. Yes, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Uh, they get in the car. Barry, I saw you kissing her once. I just kissed her once. What's wrong with that? It's like I can't even talk to my friends anymore. <laughs> okay, that was I'm just, very funny. I'm gonna say right now, Barry has like five lines in the next ten minutes that I legitimately laughed out loud at. Yeah, he's um, a fuck. I mean, like he's he's a cheating creep, rich kid who uses his dad's status to get him right. what he wants. Yes, uh, but it's very funny. Well, and he's written, it's just like, again, I like Kim Henkel is a writer and it's like this, his dialogue is funny. Like he has funny dialogue that like, this is a character that shows up in all kinds of movies, but it just kind of works here, which again is like, he reminds me a lot of, uh, you know, this is another thing with Scream, but again, Scream came after this movie, mm-hmm. but like he has a very sarcastic sense of humor and and then as we get down the road a little bit, we're also going to get a lot of weird meta sort of nods to the fact that these characters are in a horror movie. Yeah. Oh, that's one of my notes, too. My classic Eric note. None of, nobody likes each other in this movie. They're all fighting and screaming. I, mean, I guess really Heather and Jenny do, but like mm-hmm. they're all... Barry's an asshole. Nobody likes I Barry. Like, he likes... 
he he keeps saying that. Uh, yeah, I was like, if I don't get, if I don't have sex, I could get prostate cancer. He <laughs> says prostate cancer. Prostate cancer, <laughs> which again I wrote down was hilarious. He also, I forget, I don't know if you wrote this line down or not, but there's so. there's some dialogue that goes back and forth, and his like response to something is like, "What girls have tits?" Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, because like they're saying that. Uh, you, uh, uh, Renee Zellweger's character calls him out and is like, "You were telling girls that just because your dad's a doctor, you can give them breast exams." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, so stupid. Uh, they get t-boned by another car, very lightly t-boned. Yeah. Um, and this is about. I didn't realize that everybody was in the car until this moment. I didn't really see them all get in. Um. Oh, yeah. So Renee Zellweger's like, you can't get cancer from not having sex. Oh, right. Like, you know, you've never dated in your life. You're so ugly. She's also not ugly at all. <laughs> yeah. The best. Yeah. She's beautiful. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, yeah, my father's a doctor, so I think I know what I'm talking about. So fuck you, Jenny. <laughs> uh, so Sean tells them. That Barry, oh, that this is the line. The Barry's to you know tell them that to get they get breast cancer. All right, it's not my fault they're stupid enough to believe it. Whew, real aggressive there, Bear. <laughs> Care Bear. Um. So Heather's like, wait, I just thought of something cool. What if we get into a wreck and we crash into the car in front of us and we all <laughs> died? They could write a song about it. Barry's just like, shut up. <laughs> yeah. And this is not the, it's good, but it's also, it's not the first time Heather just talks about them all dying. Um, it's not the first time? Or not the last time, I should say. Oh, not the last time. Yeah. Yeah. Like she'll do this again when they're like walking down the road. She's like, we're going to get murdered. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like, what if somebody yeah. just comes out and starts stabbing us? Yeah. <laughs> uh, they take a detour off the highway, pull up on this country road, and they're lost. Um, I wrote, Barry tries to sexually assault Jenny. I don't remember exactly what happens there, but something happens. Um, she like tries to grab her boobs or something. Then Heather sees somebody in the woods. Then another car comes and T-bones him right off the road. The driver gets out. He passes out. And uh, Barry tries to get the car out of the ditch. It can't. It's stuck. They're stuck there. So Jenny decides that she's going to go to try to find help. And Barry and Heather go away. They're leaving Sean there alone with the driver. Heather's yeah, all freaked out. Sean's an absolute nothing character. He's a he, nothing. Yeah. yeah. Apparently he's he a barely stoner. even talks. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I think there's like, oh, you keep smoking that shit in my dad's car. Right. Um, so Heather's freaked out because she's been having dreams about a killer chasing them. What if she thinks somebody's following them? And then she's like, <laughs> we need to stay here and start a fire. What? <laughs> yeah. This is funny. I don't know. That is funny. She has like there's like a bunch of weird dumb dialogue that I kind of enjoy. <laughs> they shine their flashlight on like it's either a dead dog or a dinosaur. I couldn't really tell. <laughs> I don't think it's supposed to be a dinosaur. So. Yeah. Well, like, eh, you know, we don't know. You're we'd right. Have, we'd we have don't. to let, get Ken, Kim Ankle's take on it. You're right. We don't know. <laughs> and then we, they get to an office. It's like a little trailer office, and inside is Darla. Ooh, Darla. I gotta say, Darla, total fucking smoke show throughout this movie. Holy yeah. shit. So do you know the only other 
role that I have ever seen Darla in. I did look her up, um, but I forget. I, I go ahead. It's also her only other nude scene in, in oh. all of her cinematic work. So she plays the uh, high school teacher come stripper in Varsity Blues. Oh yeah, but she's she's not nude in that though, is she? Yeah, she has, she has a, really she does a she does a whole strip tease, a pole dance, and and everything. Whoa. Uh, I'm not looking it up. Don't worry. <clears throat> <laughs> uh, um, vamp, anyway. vamp. Uh, hey, everybody. Anyway, surprise. Uh, so they get in there. They meet Darla. She's like, okay, I'm going to call for help. And she calls Vilmer. Jenny, this isn't shot well because it's implied. Jenny's like looking at her tits. Mm-hmm. And Darla notices. And she's like, phony as $3 bills. Changed my life, though. Uh, it's it's kind of weird because we don't see her tits. And we don't see Renee Zellweger really right. looking at him. So I, don't know, like, I totally agree. You have to like figure out what she's talking about as she goes. Exactly. It's like if there was a yeah. shot of her, like her cleavage or something yeah. like that, then you'd be like, oh, okay, well, I know what she's She's wearing about. a very billowy shirt where it's like, I have no idea what kind of tits you have. There's no yeah. way to tell for now. <laughs> so she calls Vilmer and tells him they got into a wreck. Then uh, she tells a joke. Why do blondes stick their head out of car windows? To get a wee f- refill, a wee fill, um, <laughs> which I and I wrote, wow, blonde jokes. That's really a thing of the past. They don't really have dumb blonde jokes anymore. That's probably for the best. That's probably for the best. I always thought it was absurd to like make fun of a whole hair color, but then again, I guess I'm pretty <laughs> open minded, progressive guy. So I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna click on images. Oh yeah, she is nude in that scene, isn't she? Look at that. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Enhance. Okay. There we go. <laughs> Suddenly somebody throws something through the window. Again, not shot very well. It's hard to tell what's happening. Right. They're all freaked out. Don't worry about it. It's some farmer's wife. Like I'm even interested. And she goes to the window and flashes her tits at him. First time we have nudity in the series. The entire series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Last it's one boob, also. really. It's like one yeah. side boob. It's a nice side boob shot. I enjoy it. It's a nice it. side boob, yeah. It was titillating. Uh, or some high school boys. They're always doing something to get me to flash them. <laughs> Exist, <laughs> existing, apparently. <laughs> so back at the car, uh, Sean is with that driver who passed out. Vilmer pulls up. It's Matthew McConaughey, and he has a leg brace. And I realized this is why I kept getting Tinker confused. Sure. In the last movie. Yeah, uh, because a lot of the stuff that I remember Tinker doing actually is Matthew McConaughey doing. And I mean, they kind uh, of fill it, it, no, the it's, same role. Leatherface has this. Leatherface has the leg brace in three. That's oh, that's right. Thing. Yeah. Okay. Tinker but, has the. But Tinker drives the the truck though. Yeah, right? he does. Yeah. yeah. So they do have similar roles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh So Vilmer checks on the driver. Boy's dead. No, he just passed out. I said he's dead snaps his neck he's dead now <laughs> and then, so sean's all freaked out and this is where matthew mcconaughey is really fucking good he's yeah like, hey first i'm gonna kill you it ain't no fucking biggie yeah and he's like menacing he says it's that cool. and yeah and i think he also says he says something akin to yeah i'm i'm gonna kill you it's not a big deal and then I think describing the way that he's going to kill him, he says it's different for every individual. 
Oh yeah, he's like talking about what it feels like to die or something. He's like, yeah, it's yes. different for every individual. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, this is a this is a very weird like this movie. I think throughout for what it succeeds and fails at, I think it always deserves credit for at the very least in its dialogue and in a lot of the performances. They don't do the most generic, most obvious thing. Like there are a lot of weird lines and weird mm-hmm. choices that are just like, well, that is not what I expected them to do. I'm glad. Uh, one of the good things about having this podcast, especially when I'm on the fence about a movie or like mm-hmm. I'm not really sure what my thoughts are, talking through it like this, it's actually like making me appreciate the movie more. And I think That's you said this, something similar to part three. And you're like, mm-hmm. I'm hoping to have an opinion by the time we're done this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so he starts chasing Sean in his in his truck. So back in the office, they leave. Darla tells him that the, uh, the wrecker is going to be by soon. And this is a little confusing. Something that doesn't really pay off. They notice the gas station across the street. And, and uh, they're like, oh. Please, she's like, oh, it's just some old man. I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. they never really pay off who this old guy is, do they? No, I mean, the only way I interpreted it was like that's the actual mechanic that they should be getting help from. Sure. Um, and she's basically like, no, you don't want to go over there. He sucks. Um, and then like shouts at him for no. But also, it's like a lot of things in this movie are unmotivated and just kind of crazy. Um. So maybe uh, McConaughey catches up with him. But Sean, or it's like from the window, I think. Mm. Sean's like, please, mister, you're scaring me. What yeah, did I Sean's do? Yeah, Sean's running down the road, and then he chases him and, like, pulls up next to him. Yeah. Yeah. And I wrote, Jesus, Sean sucks. McConaughey <laughs> Sean- is truly acting him off the screen. Sean sucks as an actor, and also his character, it's like, hey, man, he's in a big-ass fucking tow truck. Like, run perpendicular to the road. Go into the woods. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so McConaughey puts it in reverse, chases him down backwards, and then finally runs him down, runs over him. All right, racing fans, here we go. And then it's in a wide shot. We don't see any details, but he just mm-hmm. runs him back and forth. He just runs over him back yeah. and forth, back and forth. Pretty disturbing, actually, even though we don't see any any gore or anything. Another thing that I would argue is probably poorly shot and portrayed on film. Like, you get it. You understand what's happening. But it's also never really clear. And, yeah, there is no gore in this movie. I'll just no. say that right now. Every death is off screen. There's a little bit of blood. It's it's honestly pretty lame. <laughs> yeah. So, um, in the woods, they're walking back. Heather still thinks someone's following them. <laughs> and she wants Barry to carry her piggyback. I thought that's funny. <laughs> and then a car drives by um without stopping. I don't know. That wasn't worth noting, Eric. It's good. Good note. <laughs> and this is wrong when I was getting really sleepy. Uh-huh. And I was like, I can smell the earth in the woods in the shot. <laughs> which okay. I think which I my I think is like, oh, I can put myself in into this scene. It's kind of well lit in the woods. And it's like, I've been on a, a, a street that looks like that back mm-hmm. home. And yeah. then I thought like, oh, remember woods? Going out into the woods? That was pretty cool. I don't do that anymore. I don't even leave my house. And I started going off on this thing, this whole like mental tangent. I was like, eh, all right, maybe it's time to wrap it up soon. Anyway, 
Heather and Barry run up ahead. Jenny's flashlight dies. Um, then they're going to go back and see if Sean's okay. Not, nothing great. A motorcycle drives by. Maybe that was the character that McConaughey was supposed to play. Um, no, he was supposed to show up in the beginning at the high school. Ah. And then maybe appear at the end to like take her off into the sunset, I guess. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, Barry and Heather are talking. Barry, wait, stop. What if they're murderers and who want to follow, uh, want to follow us and, and stab us? He calls her dumb and she's like, I just act that way to get people to like me. I'm a bitch, just like my mother was. She stays with my father because she likes the life and he that he can give her. <laughs> like very sudden character development from yeah. Heather. Uh, and then they get to the house. They find it's all boarded up. Looks like shit. I mean, <laughs> I don't mean like in a way of set dressing. I just mean like not a house I'd be knocking on the door of. Mm. Uh, but they do. They knock on the door. Barry goes around to check for the owners. He peeks in the window. It's a total fucking dump inside. Uh, and then Heather sits down on this wooden swing, and somebody impossibly comes up behind her. It's Leatherface, and Leatherface is like directly behind her. Yeah, like maybe playing with her hair or something like that. Yeah, he keeps trying to touch it and like smell it and stuff. There is no way in hell. Yeah, <laughs> that she would not be able to sense or hear Leatherface. Yeah, because he's At also not end. like coming up out of the darkness. There's like seven inches between the the bench swing and the wall, so he yeah. like he has to like you know squeeze behind the bench to even be behind her. And if nothing else, she would smell him. Yeah, he, there's no way Leatherface smells good. <laughs> what um, if he just smelled really nice? If he just smelled like. Like fucking lemongrass. He's <laughs> <laughs> like a lavender body wash that he uses. Yeah. Leatherface is actually pretty clean. People don't give him that. You know, he's he's hygienic. You know, he's messy, right, but he's hygienic. Right. Yes, classic. Yeah, it's not dirty. Mm-hmm. Um. So then we meet W. E. Who's just like always doing big historical quotes at people. He pulls a gun on Barry. Quotes Ulysses F. Grant to him. But you probably don't even know who that is. Leatherface smells Heather's hand. I'm sorry, her hair. Then he knocks over a broom. She sees him and screams. He drags her inside, just like in part one, like around the waist, dragging her backwards. And she quickly locks herself into another room. He bursts through the door, knocks open that other door. He stuffs her screaming into a freezer. And then he puts something heavy on top of it so she can't get out. And he's just squealing the whole time. Very annoying, Leatherface's squeals. Uh, so then W takes Barry inside at gunpoint, and Barry's like, my father's a lawyer, which I thought was funny. Because <laughs> right, because he was a doctor said, before. He was a doctor before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Barry goes inside and then quickly locks W.E. out. Dumbass. He pokes around looking for Heather. He even goes into the bathroom to take a piss. <laughs> And I, I like th- I like this that he like just sort of goes into the house and yeah it's like all right fine I'm in the house whatever yeah he goes yeah. into this disgusting bathroom starts pissing turns around and there's a decomposing corpse in the tub that <laughs> wouldn't you have smelled that as you walked in again a fair question again, yeah. maybe these people have COVID we don't know 
Maybe the whole house smells like that, and he just adjusted to it already. That's true. That's true. Um, and he comes out of the bathroom, and Leatherface brains him with a sledgehammer. Does he die here? Is he dead? Um, I don't think we ever see him alive again. Yeah. Yeah. I guess again, there's no blood. There's no, no, yeah, I didn't, I don't think I noted it in my notes because it's so anticlimactic that you're like, well, he's got to come back. Yeah. And maybe he does. We'll see. Leatherface is screaming so much. Holy shit. He drags Barry to the freezer, opens up. Heather busts out of the freezer. And so he picks her up and puts her on a meat hook. Um, which I wrote seems to have the meat hook seems to have the same impact of just hanging her on a rope because she's still just like, it, you know, you don't get the sense that it hurts very badly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vilmer picks up Jenny uh, off the street. She gets inside. You got to watch getting into cars with strangers these days and immediately just starts talking like a crazy person. Right. And she's freaked out. Um, and she's like, hey, you want to be scared? Have a look behind you. And forces her to look. Sean's dead back there, hanging with the driver, like hanging from the back of the wrecker. Mm-hmm. She jumps out of the truck, runs off into the woods. He puts on a song on his cassette player. It chases on, chases her through the, we- the uh, field into some woods. Okay, if that's what you want, it's up to you. Live and learn. He drives off, leaving her alone. Or he thinks she's alone, but then chainsaw fires up. Leatherface is there. He chases her. Uh, Chases her across a river to the house. Um, She goes inside. There's just a dead sheriff standing there. I kind of like Reminded me like the end of Blue Velvet. Yeah, yeah. Like the guy in the yellow suit, which always fucking creeped me out. Like a a dead body just standing. It's kind of creepy. There's something, and this is something they go back to a couple times in this movie, where they have like dead bodies that are just like, that aren't like total, like, you know, haunted house, like crazy corpses. It's just like. Yeah, yeah, they're just like fresh dead bodies. Yeah, I kind of like it. Me too. She finds a gun. She pulls it on Leatherface. As he busts through the door, but unfortunately it's empty. So then she jumps out of the window onto the roof. He chases her up the roof, breaks the chimney with his chainsaw. Uh, She ends up climbing up a TV antenna. And then this isn't really well shot. She jumps from the antenna Mm -hmm. to a wire of some sort. We can't see it. It's like so dark and thin that we can't really see. Um, And then he cuts it. She falls through the awning, picks herself back up. Leatherface bursts through this glass wall, starts chasing her through the woods. 90s grunge music is blaring. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I don't know that in this scene, it's like that's a mistake to have like just like rock and roll music. I would have played it dry. Right. Just like have the sound of the chainsaw and the screaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, she makes it all the way back to Darla's office. And then Darla checks outside. Oh, it's nothing, honey. And then she calls W.E. to come get her. Of course, Darla, we know now, is in on it all. We figured that out probably right. immediately when we saw her. Yeah. W.E. comes, pokes her with a cattle prod, hits her and puts her into a trash bag in the trunk. And then uh, <laughs> Darla goes to pick up Bub's pizza for dinner. <laughs> Now, I gotta say, this is, again, something that weirdly just worked for me. 
the Bub's pizza. Yeah. I, I've never seen pizza at a takeout window. I haven't you? either. But yeah, so I'll say, okay, maybe that doesn't work. Um, I I just meant more like the, the movie just takes this diversion where she goes to an actual fast food place. Yeah. Right. And she's even like, hey, tell the guys I'm getting pizza for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, it's just, I mean, again, it's like, it's kind of a zigzag type of move where it's like, is it, is it amazing? Is it like great? No, no, but it's like, I don't know, a, a less interesting movie, like, you know, maybe the last one would have just like, no, we're just in the woods the whole fucking time. Yeah. It's like, no, this one, they throw her in a fucking bag in the trunk and then they go to get pizza. It's like. It, it it does break up like the monotony of some of the like watching these all back to back. Yeah. <clears throat> um. <laughs> oh, another, I, there's one other thing that I missed in my notes just from the previous scene, but like when when Jenny runs into her like the second time in the office, um, she has some really weird but I think great line deliveries where she's explaining like, no, this get like, you know, this guy was chasing me and she's like, no, I'm sure it was just a prank or whatever. And she's yeah. like, and Renee Zellweger is like, no, he had a chainsaw. Like he right, was right. Right. You know? And she has all yeah, these like pretty, really, yeah, you were going to say like matter. They're like matter of fact line reads. Um, and the original version of this, the opening scene establishes that she has a very abusive stepfather. Um, Renee Zellweger does. Yeah. And I guess okay. that part of that is, you know, he would, she would, Kim Hankel tried to write her as being like, there's a reason why she's sort of like a little bit on, un, not unfazed, but a little bit less phased than you would expect someone oh, to be. And I think that that works too, in some of the coming scenes when she ends up, you know, back at the house. That's cool. I like yeah. that. I mean, yeah, that's something that probably should have stayed a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I think it's like a good idea that didn't really work out, which there are a number of those, but it's like, no, well, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The guy at the uh, takeout window is like, hey, uh, I think you got something back in your trunk. <laughs> that's just someone I have tied up back there. You want to come see? No, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like her approach because then yeah. a cop pulls up behind her. She go, oh, sorry. She gets out to like tell her to shut up. She's like, I can't breathe. So she pokes a hole in the bag, and the cop asks her, like, what's going on? And she like just kind of flirts her way out of it. Yeah, I mean, she knows her strengths, and she plays to them. <laughs> Those strengths, indeed. Um, Heather's crawling through the woods. So I guess she got out. She, yeah, this, she got away from Leatherface. We have no idea how. This is, yeah. I guess it's when she like popped. No, because she's on the meat hook. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. We don't really see it. So she's like crawling her way through the woods. Darla finds her. Um, <laughs> like fun, I like this moment where like Darla, she gets out of the car, she finds her and she's like, all right, uh, I'll, she picks up a stick to like beat her to death with. Mm-hmm. And she like lightly taps her and she's yeah. like, come on, don't hit me. She's like, ah, fuck it. Never mind. <laughs> she gets back in the car and drives, drives away, leaving her there. Uh, she brings the pizza in. Leatherface is getting tased by W.E. Um, they take Jenny in. Vilmer's back home. Um, Vilmer takes the trash bag off Jenny's head, and he's like, talks about how the FBI has this place under twenty-four hour surveillance. And he's like, "Do you think all I want to do is kill you?" Which is a creepy line. 
then he fucks off with WE. Leatherface brings Heather in. Um, Vilmer bites her face, which is gross. And but they disturbing. don't. And it, but it's like you want. I want to like. I'm not saying I want to see it because I'm like. Yeah, you want to see like a creep. piece of flesh in his mouth or something. Yeah, but it's like nothing. Hey, he just goes and then comes back with some fake blood on his face, and it's like it just. It all feels very neutered. Which, yeah. And again, that may be a deliberate choice, but it is one that takes away from the enjoyment of watching this movie. So I'm not gonna endorse it. You know. So this is um, this is where things start to turn a little bit. So Darla is getting Jenny all dressed up for dinner. She's got her like in a fancy dress and like a pearl necklace. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe she's in her prom dress. Doesn't matter. And she's like trying to ask Darla for help. And she's like, "How oh, Vilmer's not that bad once you get to know him." And you know, this job is just so much stress. She's like, "This job?" She's like, "Yeah, I shouldn't be telling you." But then she basically lets it drop that like. There's a whole secret society mm-hmm. of killers. It's like these are the people that killed Kennedy, and, and they've so, been doing it. Oh god! No, no, no! Kid, no, finish, finish, and then I want oh, to say yeah. this is a great line. She's like, they've been doing this for like a thousand years or two thousand. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, and then so this is when I put it all together. Obviously, not that hard to put together, but when Vilmer first shows up and you see his truck. Do you know what the name on the side of the truck says? No. The name, the truck says Illuminati wrecking on it. <laughs> and I was I like, I was like, oh, that's just got to be an Easter egg. Like, it's just like a funny, like, yeah, that's a funny name for a tow company. And then she drops this and I'm like, wait, Vilmer fucking works for the Illuminati. The Illuminati. Like, <laughs> like that is, that's crazy. Um, and I, yeah, it's oh, big swing. I respect it. <laughs> yeah, me too. Vilmer busts in and he's like, why shouldn't I kill you? Because you want me alive for some reason. Well, that's a good answer. Leatherface grabs her. And then Darla does try to help like, like talk Vilmer out of it, but he slaps her. Yeah. She kind of goes back and forth of being like sort of helpful and sympathetic and then not, which Honestly, it kind of works for me because we're about to get into a place where everyone's motivations are very confusing. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's here or it's somewhere up ahead soon where it's like implied that Darla left her husband to be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she says, I cucking. can always go back to my husband. That's what she right, says to him. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so she hauls off on Vilmer. Like starts like they start arguing, and in that commotion, Jenny grabs a shotgun, and uh, We says something like, "You know, it won't do any good to shoot him. He's been shot, he's been run over, and nothing can kill him." Mm-hmm. Um, and I wrote, "She really should just shoot some of these people." <laughs> yeah, it's like I believe what he's saying, but also it's like I don't know. Has anybody shot him in the face with a shotgun? Yeah, I bet, exactly. I- I bet that would and, do and it. So she's like, you know, she's like, let me go or I'll shoot you. It's like, it's a double barreled shotgun. I should mention this. Yeah. So let's say worst case scenario is empty. Mm-hmm. Second worst, there's one bullet, but there might be two bullets in there, two shotgun shells. Right. Kill one of them mm-hmm. and just eliminate them as a threat. And then, you know, be like, well, I'll shoot one of you next. You know, yeah. So then, and then get away. I like that. That's a good strategy, Eric. Yeah. 
I've always wanted to kill a man in self defense. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's not true. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, so Vilmer is like totally nonplussed by it and he starts cutting his chest with a knife just to show how crazy it is. Um, and then Darla's like, honey, if you got that shotgun, that's what he wanted. Um, so then Vilmer attacks Darla cause she's being mouthy. Um, <laughs> Jenny tries to like get Heather up. She's like, come on, Heather, cause Heather's there on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, but she like, can't, she's too weak. And then Vilmer grabs a shotgun, puts it in his mouth, and is like, ah! Like, he starts screaming. And I will say that, like, this is... So this scene, as it is unfolding now, is some really great McConaughey going completely bonkers. Yeah. Renee Zellweger plays this great. Um, She does, like, a really good exasperated... She does some great face acting, like, a lot Mm -hmm. of, like, nonverbal reaction stuff. Uh, And I think for me, if I was being generous to this movie, it's like, this is kind of the scene that takes the place almost of the dinner scene in the first one, which is weird because there's going to be a dinner scene. There is a dinner scene. Yeah. But this is where it's like everybody is is hitting the height of like their of their crazy. Um, Yeah. And this this thing where he takes the shotgun and puts it in his mouth. He's like he's like unhinged and it's good. Um. So she pulls the trigger. It's empty. At least that barrel's empty. So then he grabs it from her. Pop goes a weasel and then shoots the other barrel. It was loaded. Shoots like a light or something. So mm-hmm. She just shot the wrong trigger. Um, she runs off outside, tries to get, she gets in the car, starts driving away or the truck. Yeah. Vilmer gets on the hood. It's like, She's in the caddy. She's in Darla's yeah. caddy. And this is Darla's a lame, caddy. lame escape attempt. This is a, we got, we have a, uh, kill streak, famous low speed crash coming up. That's right. The, Matthew McConaughey is on the top of the car. The hood pops up. It just like pops up and she crashes at a low speed. Uh, and then Vilmer grabs her, brings her back in the house. Kind of an unnecessary, like, I don't know. Maybe that, budget that you spent on the crash and all that stuff could have been spent elsewhere. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's honestly, it's kind of an unnecessary scene because she just ends up back in the house. Exactly. It's like we could have just transitioned from her getting knocked out in the kitchen to where the next scene starts. That's exactly my thought too. But it's like, well, they probably shot it like, well, we got a car crash. So it needs to be in the movie. Right. Um, So then I, I was listening to this, uh, watching this movie on my uh, computer after this moment. And I had the captions just turned on from another movie. Mm-hmm. And I just left them on because it's just easier to write down what they're saying. Yeah. And then the caption, soft German music plays. <laughs> so <laughs> soft German watching, music plays dude? as Leatherface puts on his makeup. Uh, then Darla... Darla to Vilmer. Yeah, yeah, they're in the kitchen or something. It's like, yeah, you better be nice to me. I can always go back to my husband. And then she grabs these remotes that Vilmer has on him that I never noticed until this scene. And basically, like, they control his leg. Mm-hmm. And she starts, like, fucking with him. And there are many of them. There are, there are many remotes, yeah. Which, again, is a weird touch. So this gets them all hot and bothered. <laughs> and they start, like... Getting mad at each other, but they're both into it. 
this is I hate to say it. This is kind of a sexy scene. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're both attractive people, you know. They're both so. attractive. They're both like aggressively like they're being aggressive with each other, but they're both smiling through it and like you can yeah. tell they both want to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be blown away to find out that the two of them uh IRL maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe, yeah. Tried this out, you know. Uh, you better come eat before it gets cold. She walks out of the room, leaving them all. <laughs> and I love it. She's holding two up. pizza boxes, you know? And it's like, and yeah. this is, this is something, this is a big choice and I like it. It's like, it's like, it's the watered down Texas chainsaw massacre. It's like, we don't eat people anymore. We, yeah, we fucking pizza. bubs pizza, you know? <laughs> Holy shit. We getting all right, all right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, it's the second th- one I mean, ever, I think. He must have, like, got that in himself, right? Yeah, I mean, Improvised. that's a McConaughey thing, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's great. Uh, then it's dinner time. Grandpa's there. Easily the worst-looking grandpa. Agreed. However, um, we'll get there. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so Grandpa's there. He smacks Jenny awake. There are three dead bodies at the table. Just like a random, random people, mm-hmm. just like blue at right. the table. Leatherface looks like shit. His makeup sucks. Like, not his makeup, his prosthetics. It's just, it, they don't do, yeah. they're not even trying to make it look like human skin. I, no. I feel like. No. And this is, did we miss him putting his, his lipstick on? Did That's that when the soft like? German music played. Okay, got it. Yeah, so he's like fully in a dress now and mm-hmm. with the lipstick. And yeah, this mask now is terrible. It just looks like a rubber mask. Yeah. But not in exactly. the cool Halloween way. So I don't know if this is true or not, but Darla tells Jenny that Vilmer put an explosive in her head that he can detonate at any time. That's why she's doing this. <laughs> right. Total bullshit. It's got to be, right? It's yeah. got to be, yeah. I mean, who knows? But like, who knows? I would have liked to have seen it used. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, Vilmer grabs her now for why we came. Uh, Leather. He says that Leatherface is going to take her face, and uh, and then you know wear her face. And she slaps him. If you're gonna kill me, just do it. I like how tough Zelda mm-hmm. is in this. Like she yes. she has she has some agency. Yeah, and this sort of like I mean not to like kind of spoil the rest of, of the this not the whole scene but it's like she she tells everybody off here and it's like yeah. not only is she tough but i actually l- like for whatever reason because this this weird movie is kind of working for me it's like i like that they're all very ineffective and like kind mm-hmm. of like it's almost like there is a dreamlike logic to this somehow that works for me where it's just like because they like this family is so insane, but it's also like they're kind of weak and 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 it's like she yeah she can just kind of shout at all of them and they're like oh okay well you know like she gets away from them three times I think in the course four times in the course Something of the movie like that, yeah yeah and it's like yeah at first I was like man these people just suck and then I was like well you know if you take that as part of the universal sort of logic of the film that like yeah this is the shitty. These are the this is the shitty Leatherface family. Like that's what they mm-hmm. are. That's what they're supposed to be. They suck at this. Mm-hmm. Right? It kind of yeah, works. Yeah, like you're saying like failures. Yeah. Um so there uh, some chaos happens. Vilmer's like hitting WE 
And in the commotion, Grandpa just gets up with a knife and like starts walking towards her, I think. I know, I think he walks away. Doesn't he just he? walks away? I think he just leaves. And, <laughs> and this is why I didn't want to say anything about how bad he looks, because it seems like he is just kind of like, I'm leaving. This is, yeah. He's like, this is a failure. This is lame. You know? <laughs> I like that. Um, now, and then, like, <clears throat> Jenny's like, I'm going to leave. No one's going to stop me. And then Leatherface starts screeching. He's like, and, and, and stands up. And she's like, you sit the fuck down. <laughs> and he <laughs> listens to her. <laughs> yeah. Which I like. Yeah. And then uh, Vilmer pours lighter fluid on Heather. Lights her up. Darla puts her out. Uh, then, okay. All right. Here we go. This is when the shit gets fucking wild all of a sudden. Uh, we hear a car. We look out the window. It's a limo. Yeah. And then, and I guess it's two, important to point out probably that she doesn't see it; just Vilmer sees it. Yeah, Vilmer sees it. Yeah. So then, two men get out, like the driver, and then Rothman, who I don't yeah. think is named. I had to look it up on IMDb what his name was. Yeah, and knowing now what I know about all this, I think Rothman is supposed to be like Rothschild, mm. which is like the, the, uh, the Austrian bankers. Right. Which are one of the names that frequently comes up when people talk about who might be in the Illuminati. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. It, it, it's a big QAnon thing, like the Rothschilds. Right. Uh, may surprise you that QAnon somehow glommed on to Jewish bankers being in power. <laughs> yeah, weird. I mean, even though that family kind of lost most of its right. power over the course of, you know, they, the century. They weren't all up in arms about the DuPonts. Yeah. <laughs> Who like so, definitely are in the Illuminati. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, we're going to get sued. I don't remember what I heard. So this is this this is the wildest conjecture imaginable. But I'm pretty sure that there are like multiple, and this isn't shouldn't be surprising to anybody, but like multiple like accused murderers in the like later generations of the Dupont family, <laughs> like really, yeah, like in the last century, like ones who are probably still alive right now, where they're just like, I think they're awful. Um, well, I mean, it's no surprise then. Army Hammer being a cannibal potentially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, coming I mean, from an insanely rich family, right. Yeah, go figure that that's not a recipe for total success. Um, I'll Google this later, and uh, and I'll I'll let you guys know all about Dupont scandals. All right, report back to me. Okay. Uh, so Rothman is a member of the Illuminati of that so far unsaid secret society. Mm -hmm. I don't think it ever gets said other than on the car. Right. Um, Jenny asks him for help, but he's clearly a creep. And he scolds Vilmer for being so ineffective. There was something I, I didn't write down his, mm -hmm. his lines here, but there was something that you wanted to focus on. Yeah. So Rothman's line uh, is basically he said, so half of what he has, like, like half of his sort of revelation comes now. And then the other half of it comes uh, later, uh, not much later, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah. So, in the car uh, towards the end of the movie. 
And I want to say uh, he he says in this scene that what was supposed to happen uh, was that the um, this family, the slaughter family, was supposed to show Jenny the true meaning of horror. That mm-hmm. is that's literally the line. He says the true meaning of. horror. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, yes. And, he says, I want I want these people to know the meaning of horror. Yeah, I, wrote, I did write that. Right. One down. Right. And. And I think that this is meant to be interpreted very literally uh, mm-hmm. as a meta commentary on this movie. So it's basically like I to me, the way I read this, the way I viewed the rest of this movie was like, OK, so they the director has essentially broken the fourth wall now. Um not in the most overt way possible. Like no one directly addresses the camera, but essentially this character who to date has not been involved in any way, shape or form just waltzes in and immediately says to this very ineffectual family, like you are all failures. You've, you fucked up. You were supposed to show them the true meaning of horror. And instead, what have you Mm -hmm. done? It's like, you've just kind of like shouted at each other and, and failed to murder anyone with a chainsaw. No one got mm-hmm. chainsawed at any no, point. No, that's a good point. No. Um, and and yeah, and then he leaves in disgust. And he and he tells Vilmer that he's a complete failure. Uh, but first, he unbuttons his shirt. Oh yeah. <laughs> and he has like these scar patterns all look like, look almost like hieroglyphics or something all over his chest. Mm-hmm. It has they might be giant nipples on his stomach, or they might just be like pier- like stomach piercings. He's like these rings through his I stomach. I think he has big ring piercings and also lots of decorative scarring. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a total freak. And I like that. Uh, I also like, I mean, he just opens his shirt so we can see it, and then he leaves. So it's like. Then he leaves, yeah. He doesn't like, do anything functional. Just like, hey, in case you're out. wondering, I am a freak. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Did he remind you of the guy from Prodigy? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't, but now he does. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, so oh, Vilmer crushes Heather's head in, yeah, a, in his, a pretty disturbing scene. So he puts his head, leg, he puts yeah. his leg on Heather's head, his foot on, on her head. And then he like cranks up the, you know, the remote. Mm-hmm. And we just hear it like really yeah. slowly squishing and then it's but we don't gross. see anything. We don't see anything. Yeah. And this is something that would have been really effective if we just had like a quick like flash of a yeah. burst. Could have been a half second shot. Also, did he already bonk W.E. on the head at this point? Um, nah, yeah, he may have. Yeah, like which is again a very weird thing where he maybe kills his brother. Like it's not clear. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's, yeah, it isn't clear. Yeah. Um. Oh, I should mention too. I I watched the movie Possessor last night. Have you seen that yet? <laughs> no. This. Is, yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk about Brandon Cronenberg. I I won't say much. It's uh, fucking awesome. I, I really see it. liked it. It's on my list. And some real disturbing gore. I didn't watch the uncut version. Uh. Oh wow. Which I should. Uh-huh. It's not like gore, I shouldn't say it's just like some shocking violence. Okay. Um and this is the I, 
cut version. This is the R-rated version. I do want to, I mean, it's not like so bad that you're going to like fucking puke mm. or something. It's just like, you know, in a very Cronenberg-y way. Yeah. It's just realistic. Nice. In a disturbing way. Yeah. Uh, I do want to watch the uncut version, but I just like, I was watching it downstairs and I don't, I didn't have access to it and it doesn't matter, but it's cool. I recommend Possessor, guys. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So Jenny's able to uh oh he starts like screaming and cutting himself up. Jenny's able to get free, runs mm-hmm. out. Leatherface fires up the chainsaw, runs after. Uh Vilmer grabs her and she's able to like grab one of his remotes and fuck with his leg, get away. She runs out the door, she's getting chased, and then we cut to a couple Drinking Bloody Marys. Before we get there, I just want to call out, like, I think one of his most bravura scenes in this whole movie is, and one of the better shots in this movie is after she runs off down the dirt road, it stays on Vilmer on on the front porch, and he's screaming, like, go get her, Leather, go get her. Oh, yes, yeah. And he's, like, hooting and hollering, and then he just, like, throws his hands up in the air and does this kind of Matthew McConaughey, like, pelvis-thrusting pose and screams his own name. He just screams Vilmer at the top (laughs) of his lungs. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that That is cool. That is cool. Um, So then we, we see this couple drinking bloody marys in their rv drinking and driving yeah they call it they're the spottish family and they call each other mr and mrs spottish yeah they do (laughs) so they see um jenny running out of the woods like all bloody and stuff and the wife's like don't stop don't stop (laughs) but she gets in they drive off they see, they see, the wife sees that she's being chased by Leatherface and then goes, this guy's trying to murder her. I guess we should let her in. And <laughs> Does then, she say that? Yeah, she's like something along those okay. lines. She initially <laughs> says, don't stop. And then she's like, this maniac's trying to kill her. Slow down. And so they let her in and Leatherface is doing his thing where he's, you know, chainsawing the side of the RV. The side, yeah. yeah. But they get away from him. But then Leatherface and company... Uh, pull up in their truck, like Leatherface is in the bed of the truck, like, you know, trying to chop up the the RV. It feels like a little bit of a callback almost to the beginning of part two. It does, yeah. Leatherface hanging out the truck. I mean, it's very similar. Um, So, but then the RV runs off the road, hits like a branch or some shit, flips over. Giant dirt pile, <laughs> giant dirt pile, perfect ramp. Yeah. Um. And then we cut to a plane flying overhead. I was always unclear who the mm. fuck this person in the plane was. It's an Illuminati plane. Is it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, are you joking? Or are you? No, I'm not joking. It is okay. Like, okay. Like this is this is an it, Illuminati owned plane. Okay, because I wasn't sure because it does seem to be following the limo. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jenny gets out of the RV, runs off. The plane flies in, like the plane like swoops down because mm-hmm. Vilmer's chasing Jenny. Yeah, and straight up just hits Vilmer in the head. Um, he falls over. I think dead. It's not we really ass- clear. Yeah, we assume. I guess Leatherface starts screaming. We hear a car honk. It's that limo. She gets in. Without even thinking about it, but of course, not realizing Rothman's it's Rothman because she never saw the limo in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Rothman's in there. 
and uh, she's surprised for some reason. I said, "Oh yeah, because she sees Rothman." I don't know. Oh right, yeah, yeah, you know, she didn't know it was Rothman's limo. Yeah, she didn't know it was Rothman's limo because she didn't see the the limo. Exactly. And he, he's like, "All this, it's been an abomination." You really should accept my sincerest apologies. It was supposed to be a spiritual experience. His voice is all crazy. Do you notice that? Is it? Well, he does do doing like a French accent, I think. Yeah, but I, I think there's also like they layered two different voices oh, over each other. I did or like not pitched it down. That. Yeah, that's cool. maybe there's just like because I was listening to it on headphones at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so he's like, uh, you know, I'm not going to hurt you. I can bring you to a hospital. So she gets wheeled into the hospital. There's a cop there. And he's like, Miss, Miss, uh, uh, do you, like, you know, what's going on? And then somebody wheels by on a gurney. It's Marilyn Burns, Sally mm-hmm. from part one. Yeah. They make eye contact. Miss, do you know who that is? And we cut to Leatherface doing the chainsaw dance. Cut to black. Yeah. And this is, a, this is kind of a loaded final scene. Um, mm-hmm. So do you know who the cop is? Oh, I didn't catch that. No. So the cop is the original grandpa. Um, oh, really? From the from the seventy four movie. Do you know who's wheeling Marilyn Burns down down no. the hallway? Franklin. It's Franklin. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, and the cop's lines here again are sort of deliberately loaded with weird quasi meaning is he i think what does he say before he says you know something like this has happened before yeah he says to her and then immediately we see three actors from the original texas chainsaw massacre so to me it felt like it was a little bit of the of the the cherry on top the icing on the cake of the whole like you know it's like you know we've done this before yeah (laughs) and then like here are three of the actors from that movie (laughs) yeah Okay, so pretty bloodless movie. We got a the dead driver, Sean, Barry, Heather, maybe W.E., maybe Vilmer. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not much else, though. Who fucking knows? So it's hard to narrow down uh, just what the best death is. I think you went last time, mm-hmm. and I'm going to scoop you because uh, okay. there's not a lot to choose from here. <laughs> no. I'm going to go with... Um, Heather's death, okay, which we hear, mm-hmm. but the but the sound is pretty disturbing, yeah. And we're staying tight on McConaughey as it's happening, and you're kind of react. You're seeing him react to like the weight of her head and the sudden giving away of her head, along with the right. sound design. I think it's pretty effective and creepy. Would have been a cool to have a would have been cool to have like a quick flash of like you know blood spraying or anything. brains yes anything. anything visual but this movie doesn't really exceed in that respect does it no no yeah so what um, do you think for yourself for me there are no good kills in this movie let's be clear about that um yeah <laughs> like pickens are indeed slim i guess just for sheer craziness i'll go with vilmer at the end he gets Hit while running on the ground by a low-flying Illuminati crop duster plane. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. It doesn't look that great, but it looks like something. We do kind of see a shot where we're supposed to be seeing him get hit. And like like Eric said, it's pretty wild. So that's my pick. 
Uh, so if you're joining us here for the first time, we here on Killstreak like to point out some of the things that don't age that well. Uh, this movie now, uh, I always try to do the math and I always suck at doing the math. It's 25 years old. Yeah. Holy shit. That's a disaster. This movie's a college graduate. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I mean, there really wasn't much in here that was like, oh, that doesn't really fly nowadays. I guess some of the Barry stuff of like, basically joking around about sexual abuse or something like yeah but that being assaulting people he reads very authentic i will say yeah yeah i mean it's like we can't i'm not here to say like oh we can't even just talk about this stuff so yeah yeah i don't know the movie is certainly not endorsing him Uh, no 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 yes so i think yeah for me i mean like you said the beginning of the movie kind of feels like an episode of buffy it doesn't it hasn't aged well in its look, but I don't know that it ever looked that good. Probably, yeah, I don't think so. Uh, some of the mu- some of the music cues are great, and some of them are very poorly aged. So I'll go with that for my pick. Yeah, that's a good call because uh, I think I think I said it earlier. There's like wall to wall music in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it doesn't really like some of these scenes would have just been more effective having if yeah. they were played dry. Yeah, and not to be like a nitpicky asshole, but I will say that like. There is something to the grab bag, the seeming grab bag approach to the soundtrack mm-hmm. that is like, oh, it's really cool that it's all Austin artists. Also, there doesn't seem to be any thematic like no. link between them. It's just no. like, how many songs can we get from independent Austin rock artists? And it's like a bunch, but they're all going to sound different. And it's like, cool, we'll use all of them. And it's like, all right, well, it's not going to make your movie flow better, but yeah. sure. you know, Great, great point. Uh, so, mm, would you say this movie's scary? This movie is unnerving in parts. There um, is. There's some unnerving parts. Yeah. Yeah. So there are almost alluding- no effective jump scares. I'll say that. But yeah, unnerving. What I'm alluding to here, we like to rate how scary these movies are. And we pick a famous horror director and then, uh, you know, compare it to one of their films. We used to do John Carpenter. Now we're doing Wes Craven. Um. Yeah, this movie does have uh, a pretty good sense of dread, especially, you know, obviously not as dreadful as the, and I mean that in the positive, as the first movie. But I think of the four, it is the closest to actually being unnerving. Right. But. (sighs) Hmm. (laughs) Maybe like a Hills Have Eyes, too. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, because, I mean, that's kind of the thrust of that series, right? That it's like, however, it's certainly no The Hills Have Eyes. Um, So, yeah. I I always have to struggle against, like, just comparing it tonally to the movies, which Mm -hmm. is something that we both have struggled with in the past. Because tonally, I'd say this is kind of a Scream (laughs) 3. Yeah, I think you're right. It's definitely going for, like, a meta, a little bit of a teen thing. It it doesn't totally work. I would actually go so far as to call it a Scream 4, probably. Oh, interesting, yeah. Because Scream Scream 3, they're all adults, you know? If I was going full tonal... Scream 4 brings it back to high school. It's pretty that's good, true. though. I think Scream 4 is a better movie than this is, but that's neither here nor there. I think so, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, also, I just wanted to make a, a unilateral announcement that um, I think you guys have had four weeks to catch up on the fact that we have switched from the Carpenter scale to the Wes Craven scale. So starting next week, 
We're off book, you guys. I, I, we're not going to talk about the Carpenter scale anymore. It's just the Craven scale now. Okay. So. Yeah. Just the Craven scale. You yeah. guys know it now. I yeah. don't have to keep reminding you. That's fucking right. idiots. <laughs> um, and then finally, Mary fuck kill. Uh huh. What do you think? You want to go first? You want me to go first? I can go first. Um, okay. Because I think I've shared most of my feelings about this movie. I haven't held anything back. Um, and I know you were a little more on the fence. I think. That this movie is not a success. I think it is It is a failure. And I, I talk about this at times. Um, I go back to the, the work of, of film critic Nathan Rabin, who I like very much, who has his My World of Flops categorization of movies as uh, secret successes, failures, and uh, fiascos. Mm-hmm. Right, and, and he uses this to refer to movies that that are considered to be flops, right? Which this one most certainly is. Uh, and I would say that this movie does not quite reach the level of a secret success. And I also think this is funny because I looked up Nathan Raven's review for this movie, and he was relatively unkind to it. Um, I feel a little bit more generously about it. I think that Kim Hankel took some really big swings here. Um. I think that Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey are both pretty good. I laughed at some parts of this movie. I felt uncomfortable during some parts of this movie. I hated uh, that it had no gore. I think that it doesn't look very good. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, I think this movie is a failure, but it is not, it is not a failure in the, my year of flop sense. And in that sense, it is a fiasco. It is a crazy mess of a movie uh, that I'm glad that I watched. And if you are interested in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series, I think you should probably watch it, too. Um, I don't think it's that great. So I will give this movie a fuck for that reason. I think it's 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 not it shouldn't be thrown out with the bathwater, but uh, don't expect to have a great time. But you might have a weird time, (laughs) which is the the uh, hallmark of a of a of a good fuck, a fuck of a a fuck. that You're like, It was fine. It was good. Yeah. I had fun. We did some yeah. weird things. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, I couldn't put it a, have put it better myself. I think you said communicated very nicely my thoughts on this one. Um, I I am very surprised with my own memory and my own reaction to the last mm-hmm. two movies, which was like, if you remember, I loved three when I first saw it, and right. I didn't like it this time around, and then I hated this one. And I liked it this time around. I'm also giving this a fuck. You know, it, I will always sort of be a sucker for these oddball sequels if if there's enough going on in them. Yeah. You know, if there's enough in the positive column, I'll I'll go to bat for them. And I think this is this is an oddball sequel that I think kind of kind of works. Yeah. Um. That being said, they sh- should never have made a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> Let alone three, seven, however many they've made now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, guys. So we're going to take a break and then we're going to come back and we're going to do our superlatives and we're going to rank this series and our announce final ranking, final yes. rankings. And we're going to announce the next series and we're back. Here we are. Our final rankings. Of really one of the biggest series. Well, <laughs> I was going to say one of the biggest series in, in horror movie history. 
And I don't think that's the case. I think the initial movie is one of the mm-hmm. biggest movies of all uh, horror movies of all time. But I think the series, more than any of the other big tentpole horror series, really just suffered from the sequels didn't get a lot of attention. No. And Am they, I wrong? how much attention did they deserve? You know? Right. Um, but like, you know, at least feels like Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, all of those, Friday the 13th. Yeah. They, their sequels, they got a lot more sequels and they were like more well regarded, I would say. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of an oddball series. Mm hmm. But, but hey, the original movie is a bit of an oddball too. Totally. Uh, and that's what I love about it. So we have some superlatives here. We always do this on our ranking episodes. The first one we're going to cover is the family dinner you would most like to attend out of all of these movies. Each one of these have had a scene in it in which, uh, you know, the final girl is forced to attend this big family dinner. Which one would you most like to attend? Mm-hmm. You want to kick us off? Sure, I can kick us off. Um, so, you know, in one way, you could also look at this as a reverse ranking of the one you'd least like to attend, right? Totally. Um, so my number four for the family dinner that I would most like to attend is the one from the original film, the very first Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay. Um, it's one of the most horrifying scenes ever committed to horror movie uh, filmdom. Uh, it is. It is really uncomfortable. Uh, it feels very realistically awful, and that seems to be true. It seems like it was, in fact, realistically very awful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's terrifying. It's claustrophobic. It's gross. Everyone seems truly crazy, and it seems really fucking hot, too. So It does. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I sweat a lot. Yeah. I don't want to be sweating through a dinner like that. So my number four is the original TCM. Okay, so my number four, uh, and I think you're going to see why you're incorrect, <laughs> is the dinner from number three. Okay. Because if you remember, uh-huh. to attend this dinner, yeah. you would have to get nails pounded through your hands. Sure. And your blood would have to be drank by old grandpa. Yeah. Well, it would be offered mm-hmm. to grandpa. Um, I think you're spot on with the rest of your your mm-hmm. uh, grievances with that family dinner. But for me, the ha- the nails going through the hands was enough for me to be like, no, do not want to go to that family dinner. That's fair. That's very also, fair. Also, there wasn't really much of a spread on the table, was there? I mean, I think there was as much food on the table as we saw in part two, right? Yeah. And really, what food mm-hmm. was on the table in part one? I know they made barbecue, but did they have any? I don't remember. Yeah, I don't know. Well, either way, uh, I agree with most of your claims, and that's why my number three would be Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, because I definitely don't want to get the whole sort of stigmata-type situation going. Um, Yeah. That seems really unpleasant. And that was a very creepy dinner. You know, you have to watch your boyfriend get murdered. That sucks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. I agree with that. Uh, However, I just think that you know, there's something that just feels a little more, we talked about it earlier in the episode, unnerving about that original dinner. So I think I'd still rather uh, deal with the hand pain and make my way through. So that's part three is my number three. Okay. So my number three is number one. And for all the reasons you said, it's a fucking nightmare. Uh, One of my favorite film scenes 
uh, horror film scenes ever committed to to celluloid. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, everybody's screaming. It seems hot as fuck, as you said. It <laughs> smells bad, I'm sure. Oh, God, yeah. Stressful. It's a stressful scene. I would not want to have to endure that. Uh, but yeah, so number three is my... No, sorry, number one is my number three. Number one is my number three. Well, my number two is number two. Uh, oh, bringing it in the deuce hole. I yeah, agree. that's right. Um, so for me, there is uh, there is a, a heightened, almost comical atmosphere about the family dinner in Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Two. Um, it's kind of an exciting locale, that underground uh, abandoned theme park. So maybe yeah. there's some fun rides or games that are still semi-functional. <laughs> um, you can tell your friends, like, hey, guess yeah. what? You could pass guess the time with. Dinner. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, at that point in time, also, again, it's not clear what food is on the table, but it, it is established that the cook is winning statewide chili cook-offs. So. Mike, you stole yeah. the words out of my mouth. Yep. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, why don't you take it from there? <laughs> well, there's not much more to say about it <laughs> because number two is also my number two. Uh-huh. And I think the real selling point for me was that uh, no grievous harm was committed to stretch during this. I mean, she did get yeah. whacked a couple times with a hammer. Weekly. 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 Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's that prize winning chili. Mm-hmm. I know it's made from humans. I know that. I do too. But yeah. the thing is, it's winning prizes in Texas, yeah. a, a historically chilly, rich I mean, area of the country. I don't think anyone would argue that it's not the chili capital of the world. Yeah. With so I. that's got to be I. some good chili. Yeah. I would eat that chili. <laughs> I'd try it. When in Rome. Um, yeah. Well, I feel like I get to steal all the best answers. So why don't you and I, I got an idea. We can, let's go like a little popcorn. We'll go back and forth. Uh, sure, that's both, a good idea. We both clearly picked this most recent film, The Next Generation, for the family dinner I'd most like to attend. So mm-hmm. let's alternate. I'll give my first reason. This is my first reason why. Pizza, man. I want some of that pizza. That was, that was my first reason, too. Yep. <laughs> what about you? What else, what, what else, is, what else is keeping you? Uh, wants, uh, the has fa- you RSVPing yes to the Slaughter family dinner? The family, uh, the Slaughter family are pretty inept. Yeah. So I, I, even though they do try to burn my friend in front of me, um, I, I still wouldn't feel that threatened by them. Yeah. I feel like I could probably hold my own against at least a couple of them. Yeah. Um, maybe not all together, but yeah, that pizza for me was the big selling point. I want some of that bubs. <laughs> and also there's another bag, which would suggest sides of some kind. I don't know if it's a garlic oh, yeah. bread a jalapeno Ooh, popper some um, cheesy bread would be oh yeah would really hit the spot right about now I'm that's hungry. just how i am i love a good pizza but i'm excited to find out what treasures that bag holds um, yeah yeah i would yeah i agree with you this seems like the easiest family to escape the clutches of uh, mm-hmm. so yeah they're just generally less threatening uh overall and um yeah those are basically the two main reasons <laughs> yeah yeah, that's those are my two main reasons. Well, there you have it. That is our ranking of the family dinner you'd most like to attend. Moving on, uh, which one do you think we should do next? Do you have a you have a preference, or can I just plow into? Yeah, whatever you feel like plowing into, my friend. Uh, let's rank the best, the worst to best Leatherface. Okay. 
We've definitely seen uh, the gamut of Leatherfaces. Yeah. Uh, I suspect that if we had covered the newer movies, um, we'd probably get some good Leatherfaces in there. I, I imagine so, too. I, I, I Yeah, with, with the, the benefit of time, you might have some actors that are really trying to do justice to Leatherface in a way that uh, some of these actors missed the mark on. Yes. Uh, and, but they did take some wild swings, which I always appreciate. Uh, I'll kick it off for my number four mm-hmm. in the four hole is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation. I mean, I think I blew my ranking at the beginning when I said <laughs> this is the worst Leatherface. Yeah. <laughs> Leatherface is screechy, annoying, not very threatening, doesn't kill anybody with a chainsaw. Yeah. Worst um, makeup. Worst makeup. Um, I, I suspect maybe we're, we're simpatico on this one. So uh, do you want to reveal your number four? Yeah, mine is the same. Uh, the one thing I will say is that, um, you know, it didn't result in a, in a good, uh, portrayal, but I will say that the, the actor here in part four is a guy named Robbie Jacks, who was an Austin film and music sort of icon. He, uh, he, by all accounts, was a very cool guy um, who uh, recorded a song with Debbie Harry for the soundtrack of this movie. Oh, yeah, I read that. Um, yeah, and he uh, used to host a radio show with Gibby Haynes from the Butthole Surfers. Um, and he was a musician, and he was sort of a citywide celebrity, uh, very well liked, and died tragically young at the age of 38. Uh, oh, shit. from That's a heart attack. Age. Yeah. This was the last, oh, shit. this is the last thing he appeared in. Um, so he seems like by all accounts, a very cool and interesting guy. Uh, but yeah, this leather face was terrible. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. So then, uh, number three for number three, I have the leather face from Leatherface. Mm-hmm. Texas chance. I'm three. Yeah. Uh, another screechy leather face, I believe. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is the one with the speak and spell and all that right. garbage. Um, man, I wish I could remember more of my reasons for not liking this <laughs> leather face. I just remember not liking this leather face. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's totally fair. I mean, I think it's, you know, um, uh, what, how would we say it? Where goes the movie there goes Leatherface or something like that. What's that old phrase? Sure. You know what I mean? Uh where one so where goes we go one, so go we all or something. Yes, yeah. So goes QAnon thing? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I'm talking about QAnon, my friend. Uh <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that they're they're definitely uh for the rest of the films, fourth notwithstanding, I think that there is a there is a pretty clear uh, link between the quality of the Leatherface and the quality of the film. Um, yeah. And, and part three is generic and it's pretty boring, honestly. And it's just, you know, that's kind of how I felt about this Leatherface. He was a little too screechy, uh, but mostly he just didn't make an impact of any kind. Yeah. Uh, and yep. part of that is the movie's fault. You know, I don't think that the Leatherface performances in two or three really differentiate themselves from that all that much. I I don't think so. Yeah. I don't want to give a whole lot of credit to the actors or really take anything away from the actors in either one. I do think that next generation stands out as being particularly bad, but 
it's a virtual tie for me between part three and part two. I just think that segueing into part two, Leatherface gets a little more interesting stuff to do in that movie. Yeah. And I think also Leatherface's physicality sucks in three. Yeah, it's like you're a right. smaller Leatherface, right? Like he is smaller, correctly. but I have that same issue with all of them, honestly. Yeah, uh, yeah. but I don't know. What do you? Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm gonna guess that you have in the two slot, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Number Part Two. two. Yeah. Yes, I do. I do. Yeah. Uh, and for the same reasons, Leatherface does have more stuff to do, as you said. He actually kills people with his chainsaw. Yeah, maybe he does. He does in Part Three, but certainly doesn't in Part you know, Three. Four. Had its own. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I think uh, Leatherface is bigger too. At, at least in my memory, mm-hmm. he's, he's like a larger person in that. So that is always yeah. like the bigger the the more intimidating that Leatherface mm-hmm. is. He gets to do a lot he of phallic stuff <laughs> with his chainsaw. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm with you. So I, then I, that, I think that's right. I'm sorry, we're getting a little bit of digital interference here. Oh, I apologize okay. for the choppiness, uh, but then. That makes it pretty clear that we both chose the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre in our number one slot. This is portrayed by Gunnar Hansen. Really just, this is an iconic yeah. horror movie villain. Yeah, I think that Gunnar Hansen deserves a lot of credit for yeah. bringing a very menacing, but a very unique physicality to Leatherface that I think is... I don't even think menacing is the right word because I think that like a Michael Myers is menacing mm-hmm. uh, in his physicality. Leatherface is unnerving in his physicality. He's disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's the word. Uh, like, yeah. The, the way that he moves around is creepy and, mm-hmm. but it's also feels human, you know? And he has some nice moments to, to have emotions in that movie where he's confused by what's going on. He's he's, he himself feels like his territory is being tread upon and he's like, "Uh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Um, And and there's a couple different masks, uh, uh, faces that he wears that change his outfit and, and sort of his role in the family. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. And I'll say one more thing as a man of size, Mm -hmm. um, the body type that Gunnar Hansen has feels very real in a way where all the other leather faces to me feel like they're being played by stuntmen, essentially. Sure, sure, yeah. Who have a certain kind of build where they're all stocky, they're they're all larger guys, but like Gunnar Hansen, when I look on the screen, I see a person with a body like mine where mm-hmm. it's like his waist is wider, you know, than his chest. Mm-hmm. Like he's a little bit pear-shaped and he just feels like a real, like what you would encounter in the real world as like an actual big person, as opposed to all of these Hollywood stunt guys who all follow the same kind of body type, like a Kane Hodder or anybody else, where it's just yeah. like, they're more like pro wrestlers. Right, know? right, right. So yeah, great that point. to me, for, for whatever reason, I think just makes me uh, relate to that, uh, that leather face. So that's my, that's my leather face. <laughs> Hashtag, that's my leather face. Uh, okay. <laughs> so then finally for our superlatives, best kill. Yeah. Um, I was racking my brain about this one. I'll go first if you don't mind. No, I don't mind. I think my favorite kill in the movie 
is at the very beginning of part two. It's the uh, head slicing <laughs> diagonally, yeah. um, blood splurting, makeup effects done by Tom Savini. It's maybe not uh, the most tonally uh, consistent with the series. Sure. Yeah. But I think it is fun. It is just kind of a classic horror movie, gross out gag that I don't think the movie ever really gets to that extent. Mm-hmm. The whole series never gets to that extent. Agreed. From that point forward. Yeah. Um, it's fun. Uh, I think that's a great pick. Yeah. And especially, you know, depending on what your preferred metric is, right? Like if we're talking about best kill in a vacuum on screen, then it makes a lot of sense to go with a nice, gory Savini masterwork. Um, Mm -hmm. for me, uh, to mix things up a little bit, I will interpret this more as a, a kill in keeping with what I feel like is the best tone that this series ever manages to strike. Right. And I think that's part of why we talked about how this is like a weird series and it isn't maybe one of the biggest series ever. And I think because there's a lot of dissonance across all these movies, like it doesn't like say what you will about the relative quality of Friday the 13th, but they are really in comparison to this, at least there's a consistency there that I think is impressive that it's mm-hmm. like, if you like a Friday the 13th movie and you show up to the new Friday the 13th movie, you're probably going to get something you like. Yeah. Right? This, this shit is all over the place and oh, yeah. nothing ever comes close to touching the tone of the first movie in terms of its, sort of realistic, naturalistic, disturbing, unnerving. Uh, it's gross, but it's gross in the exact opposite way of Tom as Tom Savini. And that's a criticism that I leveled at part two when we first watched that movie, that Tom Savini is one of the all-time greats, but he doesn't make sense to me as like the direction that you would go if you were trying to do the same thing the first movie did. And so as a result, my pick will be almost the complete opposite, which is the very first kill of the entire series, which is entirely bloodless, is simply a sledgehammer to the head. But it is so fast and jarring and realistic that to me, it's the most upsetting of all of the kills in the entire series. Yeah. You know, if I may. Mm hmm. You're correct. <laughs> I think my choice is wrong. Because <laughs> you're right. Well, that's very kind of you to say. And I'm glad we gave the people two different tastes of different things. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it all depends on what you're looking for. And if you're look, if you love the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, then I feel like that's what is going to work for you. I, I think maybe where my mind was at when I chose that, the, the my choice was having gone through now two bloodless yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. Fuck, man, I just want something here, buddy. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, that's as good a segue as any to talk about the ups and downs of this whole series. So yeah. Shall we put this this franchise into canonical order, disregarding all of the films that came after 1995? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it, man. I'm ready. Okay. So... In our number four slot, the worst, in our opinion, Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Mm-hmm. Why don't you kick it off? I went, I went best for, I went for uh, best death. So why don't okay. you uh, lead us off here? Okay, I will lead us off. I have a feeling I'm gonna, I'm gonna put on my Karnak hat as a reference to 
a TV show that is a host that has been off the air for 30 years. <laughs> a host that was barely around when we were watching TV at that age. <laughs> you know, Johnny Carson. Um, I think that you and I aren't going to have much trouble with one and four here. I think things are going to get interesting as we talk about the middle meat of this, the meat of this sandwich, if you will. Sure. But I think the buns are pretty, are pretty clear. Um, I, I think that we might have the exact same list is my prediction. Oh, wow. Okay. That might be true. Um, number four, for me, it's got to be Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Um, and I will say this, as a testament to this short, abridged series, it's not that bad. It's not like one of no. the worst movies we've seen, but it is very forgettable. Um and doesn't really I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we did a whole episode on it. So if you want to hear all the, the, the nitty gritty, you can. I'll just say that it's it, it fails to distinguish itself in any way. It's very generic, uh, mm-hmm. but it's not even generic in like a fun way. Like, again, we talk about Friday the 13th. That series is uh, they, they are masters of generic fun, I think. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this is just generic blah. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you, man. My number four is Leatherface. Um, and for those reasons, it's straightforward. It's not very exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a couple of good performances in it. Yeah. Ken, Ken Foray, for example, I do enjoy in that movie. But really, it is a middle-of-the-road, early 90s horror movie that, as you said, fails to distinguish itself. Um, and I think the rest of the movies on our list at least have something going on. And this yeah. is the one that has the closest to nothing going on <laughs> of <Yeah>. interest. <laughs> yeah, I agree. There is nothing you can get out of this movie that you can't get better from one of the other movies. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yep. All, All right. right, then. So that brings us to number three. Yeah. Why don't you, uh, why don't you lead us into number three? Sure. Number three for me is the movie that we just watched. And discussed, it is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. Um, I think, you know, we just did an entire episode about it. (laughs) (laughs) It takes some wild swings. Not everything works. There's some really great performances. Maybe some of the best performances of the series. Yeah. uh, With Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger. Um, But it is a bit of a mess of a movie that ultimately, I think, works more than it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And I think it's unfairly maligned. But could have been better directed, yeah, and certainly looks doesn't look the best of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so those are my reasons for for having number four in the three slot. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to take the coward's way out of this, uh, <laughs> but I'm going to make things much easier for us as a team. Because after all of the discussion today and really thinking about how I'm going to how I'm going to come down on this decision, I have decided. That I have a tie. Okay. Uh, I believe that part two and part four are a complete deadlock for me. Interesting. And here's and and this is what I'll say. And then I think we can springboard into your argument as to why you think part two is better than part four. Mm-hmm. So each one of them has, I would say, two things, two sort of fatal flaws that 
make me think that make me not like the movie. And then there's a number of things that I do like about each of them. Right. So you mentioned some of the positives of part four that we just talked about the acting, some interesting ideas. Um, and definitely like it, it brings unique stuff to the table. Like it doesn't, it is not generic in the way that part three is. Right. Mm -hmm. We also talked about, I think visually it's pretty unimpressive. I think the complete lack of violence is a total strike against it. Um, and yeah, I think, I, I think that those are my two biggest, those are my biggest issues with the movie. I think it looks bad or at least very unimpressive as a film. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and there's no violence. Part two is like the polar opposite. Right. Mm -hmm. I think I found the acting to be largely obnoxious. Um, Mm -hmm. So instead of having Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger, I had Bill Mosley who I could not fucking stand in any scene he was in. Um, I think it looks crazy in an interesting way. I think the plot is garbage. And I also think that Toby Hooper's attempts to say something come up much shorter than Kim Henkel's do. Um, I don't think either of them is bringing anything particularly profound to the table, but I think Kim Henkel seems to have a perspective, which is like horror movies are shitty. Now this was a bad idea. Um, this this is just going to be kind of like a testament to failure and to like weak, you know, weak sauce horror movies and where things are at in the industry. And I'm going to go so far as to like almost break the fourth wall, bring in an Illuminati, uh, you know, puppet master to literally call out how this movie has failed to be a good Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Right. And as far as I could discern, Toby Hooper's was just like, I don't really want to be making this movie. Um, Chainsaws are dicks. um, And (laughs) capitalism is bad. Like, and everyone's like, oh man, the themes and like the, the metaphor. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? It's like, this is like fucking freshman film school stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Kim Hankel at least like had a whole story. Like, uh, like I should say like the, the, the meta text there like seems to be fully formed in a way where Toby Hooper's is like kind of half baked. Right. Yeah. This is all very rambly. The violence that I'm sorely missing in part four is there in spades in part two. However, tonally, I think it's off. It's off from part one. So I think that almost like you could make the argument that the total lack of violence in part four is more akin to the original movie than the -the over-the-top Tom Savini stuff in part two. So, anyways, I can't come to a conclusion here. There are things that I really dislike about both movies. There are things that I think are intriguing and fun about both movies. I think they are both Mm -hmm. failures, but they're interesting ones. And so I will let you be the tiebreaker on this. Uh, okay. As always, I have to scramble to, uh, find new ways to make some of the points you've made. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's only when I talk first, you know, sometimes you talk first. (laughs) Um, so something you said there at the very end is they're both failures, but in interesting ways. And I do think that is true. I think for me, whereas, you know, we, Henkel's part four 
is a little more airtight. Not mm-hmm. calling this movie an airtight <laughs> plot-wise is very much stretching it. Right. Part two does suffer from this soggy middle section. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is a little over long, but there is something incredibly watchable for me about part two. Mm-hmm. So much so that I've come back to it throughout the years. Whereas this was only the second time for watching part four. Yeah. Granted, maybe it'll get better with viewings. I do think part two does get better with viewings, uh, repeated viewings. Okay. When your expectations are a little bit lower. Okay. Um, I, I think there are, the look of part two really stands out. Mm-hmm. It, it, there's like the, uh, be, be it the underground stuff that's like lit with Christmas lights and lamps. Right. Or even just like the, just the Texas outside of the, uh, outside of the radio station. There's just something really cool about the way this, that part yeah. two looks, it doesn't look cheap. Right. Whereas part four does. Totally. Um, and I think for me, you know, I, I completely agree. Bill Mosley as chop top is obnoxious. Um, maybe didn't bother me as much as it bothered you. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, is, I don't know. There's just a something about two. There's some sort of spark in there. This energy, this like this, the, be it the soundtrack, just the Toby Hooper's general approach to the movie mm-hmm. that I really like. Okay. I really think it's like sort of like a punk rock movie in a way. Uh, and that, that for me is what edges it out. I think maybe it, a lot of what what gives it the advantage over four is this sort of a nostalgia I have for it because yeah. I it has been a movie like I said I've watched repeatedly sure uh, not every year I haven't seen it nearly as many times as I have part one but I have seen it a few times and so there is some sort of like a you know a going home feeling when I watch it <laughs> that I enjoy yeah um, yeah. I'm interested to see how part four ages for me through the years. And I'm interested to watch part two again in, in maybe two years or so. Yeah. And, give it some time. Don't it watch feels. it right away. Yeah. I've watched it twice this year or <laughs> within a year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's not really the way you want to do it. I would yeah. say I'm going to, I'm going to slot part two in for Halloween season 2022. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. Then. So that makes number one, our number one. No surprise there. Yeah. I mean, come on. If you're blown away, yeah. you haven't been paying attention. You haven't been paying attention. I've said it multiple times. This isn't even one of my favorite horror movies. It's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. You know, full stop. Uh, you know, the sense of dread is unlike anything that I've seen in the, in a mainstream horror movie and it's mm-hmm. not even that much of a mainstream horror movie it's like essentially yeah. an art house movie that became famous yeah no that's absolutely it's one of the great true. films of the 70s i would say this so i mean we've spoken uh at length about this there's not a lot of uh revealing things i can say about the movie itself so i i will instead share something uh somewhat personal feeling about it which is you know so I've been in the process of applying to grad school. I'm going to go try to get an MFA in film. Uh, I'm interested in teaching uh, practical filmmaking, ultimately. And I'm also 
really excited to make some short films. And, uh, you know, one day I really, really, really would like to direct a feature film. And I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but fuck, if Eric can do it four times, why can't I do it (laughs) once? Um, so, uh, the reason I share all of this is because I've been prompted many times in the past three or four months, uh, in writing and in conversation to reflect on what kind of movies I would like to make. Uh, and when I think about that, I try to approach that question with a certain amount of practicality, which is like, well, yeah, of course I'd love to make, um, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'd love to have a <laughs> massive studio budget and, uh, you know, or, you know, I want to make uh, Coen Brothers films. And it's like, well, yeah, I'm not that good. Um, I'm just, you know, right. I'm just one. I'm just a simple man. Um <laughs> Yeah, emphasis on the simple. Yeah, like Leonard Skinner. Um, But when I've been asked this question, you know, I have my favorite directors. We talk about Carpenter all the time. And, you know, I wouldn't say that Toby Hooper, his whole body of work, would qualify him as one of my favorite directors. No. But thinking about making a single single movie... uh, if you are strapped with a low budget um, and you want to make a genre picture, which is mostly what I'm interested in, I would love to make a horror movie or, you know, something, a thriller, sci-fi, who knows what it's going to be. But like, this is a movie that I hold up as like an example to strive for. Right. I think about this. I think about a movie like John Carpenter's assault on precinct 13 as something that is lean that feels urgent and, and stylish, but also real somehow at the same time. Yeah. Um, and it's a movie that like, I love, I love this movie because it, it, it kind of makes you put your money where your mouth is. It's like, Oh, you're a horror fan. You like things that are like disturbing and upsetting. Well, it's like, well, what if, but, but it does it in a way that feels so much more artful than like fucking hostile, you know, where it's Mm -hmm. like, you're not being forced to sit through, oh, can you, like, you know, it's not about... Can you stomach this? Right. It's more just like, is this really the thing that you claim to be interested in? And and I kind of answer back, yeah, I guess so, but that makes me feel uncomfortable with myself <laughs> um, and, the, and the world around me. But it's like, this is a, this is a fantastic piece of art. Yeah. Right? I, I've seen things that are more grotesque and shocking i guess you could say than Mm -hmm. this movie but i haven't seen anything that effectively disturbed me the way that this has yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah we talked about that best kill and i keep going back to that the very first murder in this movie and it's like i don't know that i've ever seen a horror movie kill that left more of an impact on me and i wouldn't say that it's necessarily traumatic like no pun intended (laughs) Yeah, it didn't fuck up my life. But when I think about, you know, memorable murders in horror movies, which is so much of what this genre revolves around. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that one, that one will always be at or near the top. Okay, there. We, uh, there you have it. <laughs> Feels like we've been talking for over two hours. Because <laughs> we have. Because we have been. Let's talk uh, for another okay. 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about our next series. Yeah, March. Would you like to do that? March is right around the corner, folks. Um, 
when is this uh when is the first one of those new series gonna drop it's gonna drop on march 1st um march 1st yeah uh we're doing another big one i think and i'm very excited i'm very excited about it because i'll say this where the texas chainsaw massacre is a series marked by notably inferior sequels um forgettable directors uh forgettable entries the next one we are tackling is anything but that i think it is one of the most noteworthy series ever for having just a fucking murderer's row of directors yeah (laughs) Um, really is and you know uh here's a little hint before eric lays it on you guys in mere seconds one of the movies that frequently comes up in discussions of famously sequels that might even be better than the original film. Um, And I'm also excited about this one because it's, it's a little bit of a genre zigzag for us. It is. Uh, I think it definitely still qualifies as horror, but, um, but it definitely like lives firmly with one foot in another genre. And I wonder, you think, uh, have you guys figured it out yet? Eric, what are we watching? Well, guys, I hope you don't want anybody to hear you scream because we're going to space and they can't hear you scream there. (laughs) We're watching the Alien series. (laughs) So truly elegant. (laughs) Uh, I love it. I'm very excited. I'm very excited to cover the Alien alien franchise. Yeah. So let me list the movies we're going to do. Okay. We're doing all of them, baby. Alien. Aliens. Alien 3. Alien Resurrection, Prometheus, and Alien Covenant. Yeah. And we talked about this. I think that if if we had decided to do this when Prometheus had come out and Alien Covenant had not, we Mm -hmm. probably wouldn't have covered Prometheus. No. But now, with the existence of Alien Covenant, which identifies itself by title as a canonical alien film. Yeah. And it's very direct link to Prometheus. I think we have no other choice. Um, And I'll say this, Eric. I have already received pressure to cover the Alien versus Predator movies. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Fuck! I just fucked my finger up. I don't know how. Oh no! That's terrible. <laughs> suck it up. We're near the finish line. Yeah, we're not. We're not going to do the Alien versus Predator movies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe we will su- at some point. Mm-hmm. But you know, same with uh, Freddy versus Jason. Is it more of an Alien movie or more of a Predator movie? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but Eric doesn't want to do them. So if you guys are upset, direct your emails and uh, voicemails at Eric Gosselin. Wait, do you want to do them? I would be interested in doing Alien versus Predator and skipping Requiem. But you know what else? I'm just I'm just going to float this out there as an idea. Alien versus Predator could make for a fine uh, live viewing, perhaps a commentary uh-huh. episode. Oh, yeah. So maybe yeah, I don't know. Weigh okay. that in. Weigh that in your mind. We're we're gonna be working on this on this series for six weeks. Okay. So, so how about this? Bug us on Twitter mm-hmm. or on our email or on voicemail. Yeah. You can reach us at all places at Killstreak Pod. Uh, so whether it be Twitter or Instagram, you can email at killstreakpod at gmail.com or go to anchor.fm slash killstreakpod and leave us a voicemail. Um, let us know. Should we cover Mm-hmm. Alien versus Predator. Yeah. Should it be a live episode? Like a live viewing episode. 
where we do commentary or a standard episode. And should we do Alien vs. Predator Requiem? No, I don't know. no, I don't think. No, we we're do not going to do that one. <laughs> Requiem's okay. trash. It's terrible. <laughs> but the first one. I remember being kind of interesting, and then someone last night was like, no, that movie was fun. I had a good time. Um, hmm. So, yeah, I'm curious. Also, I spent a long time reading things online and debating whether or not I should I should push for us to go in chronological order uh, and oh, start no. with Prometheus, um, if only to save the best movies for, you know, the middle as opposed to just... Because, I mean, one 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 thing that does become a trend when you do a podcast like this is a lot of these series, the first movie is the best one. Yeah. You know? Hey, that's an interesting idea. I, I just poo-pooed it, but I don't know, man. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it off air. All right. We'll figure it out. Well, no, because we have to tell people what the first movie we're going to be doing next week is. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, if we were to go in chronological order, then... If we did Alien versus Predator, that one technically goes first. <laughs> or second. I think it breaks canon because I think I think it introduces aliens into the, you know, 2000s. Well, wouldn't Prometheus Prometheus go first? Well, no, because the thing, yes, Prometheus, t- the, they're the prologue to Prometheus, the initial scene is the earliest chronologically in the whole franchise. But then after that, it takes place, I think, in the late 21st century or even the 22nd century. Oh, okay. And that shows the genesis, you know, spoiler alert, of, like, the alien creatures, right? Right. But then Alien vs. Predator goes ahead and has them showing up on Earth, uh, you know, Oh, well sure, 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 that. sure, sure, yeah. So yeah, Alien yeah. vs. Predator, while possibly something will do and fun, I think is considered non-canon. Okay. Yeah. Let's go in order. I mean, let's yeah. just go in a uh, standard order. That's fine. That's totally so fine. So we'll do Ridley Scott's Alien on yeah. the next week's podcast. 1979. Uh, okay, is it guys. A, is it available to stream anywhere? I wonder. I think it's all on HBO Max. Is it? I think I you're believe right. so. I know at least three is. And three also has the assembly cut, which Ooh. I am debating. I haven't seen the assembly cut, mm. but also it's been so long since I've seen part three yeah. that I don't know which one I should we should cover. Well, I've seen part of this. I mean, it's tough because I mean, for you, I would say if you want to watch the assembly cut, I think you should probably watch both. Yeah, I was thinking that I will watch the assembly cut because I've only seen it once and I've seen the theatrical cut five or six times. Like I have seen Alien 3 many times. Okay, so I think I will go with the assembly cut. So the other thing we can do is you can watch theatrical. I can watch assembly, and then we can talk about both. But I think what I might do if I have time is watch the assembly cut myself, Mm -hmm. and then when it comes time to watch it for the show, I don't know. That's a lot of work, though. I don't know. You can do a little. You're gonna do a little like hors d'oeuvre, like a little. uh, You just watch it tonight. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I'll figure it out. Okay. Anyway, I gotta get going. (laughs) <laughs> my, my wife made dinner for me like 40 minutes ago for some reason. I don't know why. Because this she happens always does with regularity. Yeah. <laughs> tell me one thing, Eric. Yeah. Is it a stew? I'll tell you one thing. It's not a stew. Jesus sorry. Christ. I know. You got to talk to you got to talk to her. <laughs> well, as always, you better be nice to me. I can always go back to my husband. <laughs>